This Lcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Plus! <laughs> Sorry! I got so distracted what I was going to say about, like... Ah. Joining me today is a man who, uh... He's feeling a little off his rocker, I think. Welcome, Jacob! But yes, like I can hold this hand down. No, you are not going to. No, no, no. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who, right. just, a man who was just be like, he was itching. <laughs> he just took a, oh, uh, a one-way, one-way trip on a bomb. Welcome trip. Joining us also tonight is a person who's probably wondering what on earth he's walked into. (laughs) Welcome Dallas from Geek Devotion. What's going on, guys? Happy to be aboard. I pulled Plan R uh, like you told me to, Drew. I'm not sure why I'm pulling Plan R, though. Uh, I don't have a good comeback for that. (laughs) (laughs) Is this like the... The only R I can think of is retro, and I don't think he's involved in this episode. No. Where so, is it? Where is he? I mean, he's in the chat, but past that. <laughs> ah. Hi, Roy. <laughs> yeah, Dan Roy. That's what I should have called him. Roy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why don't we just get into our spoiler free yes. thoughts on this? Yes. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. Dallas, why don't you start us off? Spoiler-free conversation about uh, this amazing film that we're watching, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so spoiler-free is hard to do um, because there's so much to this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) It's like an onion. Can we talk about how just beautiful the film is? Yeah. Yeah. Very well thought. Like the cinematography of this film like i love this like it's when you think of artistic films this is the film that you want to talk about right here Mm -hmm. yes so you have seen this before oh yes many times in fact i i first watched it in high in college uh because i was taking a film class and Mm -hmm. we were told hey you should watch this film and and we will discuss the angles and this and the lighting set situations for it hmm all righty jacob what are your spoiler free thoughts well the, uh to be frank this is the first time i ever watched the film uh i had heard of the film i had heard of the, oh it's dr strange lab and it's like it's in black and white and i was like okay that's interesting what is this about had no idea who the director was at the time and i was like okay my parent my dad never watched it <laughs> i was like okay because I told it, it, you nothing other i just no handed you nothing. the blu-ray and said watch this film <laughs> yeah have fun no, is it well, a Blu-ray technically, hmm? yeah. Was it a Blu-ray at the time? Yeah, it's I, a Blu-ray. Yeah. Nice. So because it was literally like we've been recording the show. I think we were in our second year. Yeah. And I think I mentioned Doctor Strange Love for whatever reason. You said you hadn't watched it. Mm-hmm. So he, I 
turned around, picked up my copy, handed it to you and said, watch this. And about a year later, I'm watching it. And I forgot he had my copy. (laughs) (laughs) Until, what was it, two months ago? We were talking about, okay, we need to schedule the next uh, Mm -hmm. Cellcast Plus uh, episode. What do you want to record? And we were going back and forth, and you mentioned, well, we could always watch that Doctor Strangelove movie you let me borrow. I says, you have my Doctor Strangelove? <laughs> I said, yeah, why don't we do this? Like, yeah, put it up, put it on the list for a vote. I says, we are not putting this on a list for a vote. <laughs> we're reviewing this film. I'm putting my foot down on this one. <laughs> the boot has been stomped. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I thoroughly, like, Dallas, like cinematography wise, beautiful film, uh, direction. Like, I, I think I'm saying at this point, I've watched three Stanley Cooper films so far, mm-hmm. and the like comedic timing, it is a beautiful satire of terrible, horrible things. But, uh, I enjoy the film. I, I, I am in. I'm not in plans right now to, but I'm wanting to buy my own copy of this film. And it's like, yes, I love this film. I can't believe it's going to be this, but yes, uh, that is my spoiler free thoughts on this film. I have no idea how many times I've watched this film. Because <laughs> uh, I, I know, I think it, my dad asked me, wanted me to watch this when I was in junior high. I think we watched it once while my mom was uh, out somewhere on like a trip with the girls or something. And we were home alone doing what we called a buddy pal night. Mm-hmm. And he put the movie, we rented, we either rented the movie or it was recorded off of on a DVR or something, whatever the process was, mm-hmm. or maybe it was just happened to be coming on TV. I don't know. And says, we're watching this film. And I said, okay. And we watched the whole film all the way through. And I was like, well, this is, interesting i think i'm a little too young to get what's funny about this is a dark comedy yes <laughs> but uh i've watched it off and on for the past couple of years and i even got a chance to go see it in a theater for i think it's 50th anniversary wow uh so yeah this is one of my favorite films. So, ask, is the copy you have? Is it the Criterion Collection version? It, or is, is, it, just it a, is the Criterion Collection version. I'm I'm going to come over to Tyler and watch this with you guys. Um, <laughs> oh, rock on! Let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it, I just got a, a basic DVD copy that I got like a hundred years ago, and I've mm. heard stories that the Criterion Collection is just like really primo. Uh, oh, quality. it is really crisp. So nice. It's a really crisp. If you you've watched the uh, the Criterion Godzilla movie, right? Yeah. It's it's about that high quality. Nice. So very nice. Yeah, we'll definitely have to make it like a like a movie night out of it. <laughs> yeah. And by Tyler, I assume you mean Jacksonville, but I'm not trying to dox you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Like we haven't said this a hundred times. How many places around here have a Berkshire Brothers? Uh quite a few, actually. A lot of them are south of here. That is true, but nuance. <laughs> In the uh so yeah uh, there's not much more spoiler free than we can get no. into this no you really uh, can't. i will give a warning though uh this is a lot of sexual innuendo throughout the film <laughs> just so just, just a if you're a bit if you're sensitive to that mm-hmm. maybe give the, this one a skip mm-hmm. yeah uh especially and you know maybe not give your younger younger let, let your younger younger kids watch this not that i think they'd be interested in it anyway right so yeah uh let's go ahead and jump into our spoiler filled thoughts 
following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, which sounds like an anime isekai title the more I say it, <laughs> uh, was written and directed by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, and he also has directed, of course, 2001 A Space Odyssey, along with many, 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 many other films. Yes. It was also written by Terry Southern and Peter George, and is based on the book Red Alert by Peter George. Cast includes Peter Sellers playing Group Captain Lionel Mandrake, President Merkin Muffley, and Dr. Strangelove. Uh, and he, of course, was the original Inspector Jacques Clouseau in mm -hmm. the Pink Panther series. George C. Scott plays General Buck Turgidson, and listeners to our show will remember him as McLeach in The Rescuers Down Under. What was what was the famous line that I, I, I didn't make it all the way through the third grade for nothing? <laughs> That's the one you're thinking of. I yes, bet. I am. Sterling Hayden played Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper. And uh, he played Captain McCluskey in The Godfather. Keenan Wynn played Colonel Bat Guano. And he played Captain Cully in The Last Unicorn. Really? Yeah. Right on. Slim Pickens played Major King Kong. And he played a character named Taggart in Blazing Saddles. Peter Bull played Russian Ambassador Alexei <sighs> de Sadesky. And he was the captain of the Louisa in the movie The African Queen. Mm -hmm. Tracy Reed played uh, Mrs. Scott, a.k.a. Mrs. Foreign Affairs on the Playboy cover. <laughs> and uh, she played a, the character of Dominique Ballon in uh, A Shot in the Dark, the second Pink Panther film that's not ah. actually got the Pink Panther name on it. Really? Yeah, but it is a Pink Panther film. Just doesn't include the Panther. Last but not least was the acting debut of one James Earl Jones, who played Lieutenant Lothar Zog. And he is most well-known, of course, for playing Darth Vader in Star Wars. That blew my mind. When I saw yeah. him on screen, I forgot he was in the film. Yeah. Uh -huh. I've, I've, I have like a, oh, it's him every he time looks, I watch this. He looks so young in this. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was watching there again. I didn't know James Earl Jones was in this film. And I'm watching him like, wait a minute. He pops his head out like, mm -hmm. wait a minute. It's not, it's not who I think it is. And he talks. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it's James Earl Jones. <laughs> yeah, once you actually know it's him, it's like, yeah, that's James Earl Jones. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> and uh, he was actually our kingdom, only Kingdom Hearts connection. Because he is, they used archive, archival audio from The Lion King oh. for like a couple scenes in Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, okay. There. I respect that. Yeah. Yes. So, Jacob, what do we have in info and stuff? All right. So, info and stuff. IMDb it is an eight point four out of ten. You can watch it on YouTube for two for three ninety nine, or you can go and buy the Criterion Collection on I think Amazon right now for like thirty some bucks, which is not a bad price for a Criterion version, mm -hmm. I think. But uh, going forward, uh, production was from Hawk Films. Distribution, distribution by Columbia Pictures was released on January 23rd, 1964, going into the box office. It had an estimated budget of $1.8 million. 
its opening weekend was January 7th. That's not right. Um, It's lovely when you, when you're writing notes and you Mm -hmm. quickly realize, be like, Oh, this is the re-release. Yeah. So the re-release was on 1990 in 1994. And original would have been 1967. Yeah. Which I can't find that information anywhere. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Yeah. That was fun. So I'm looking at the re-release in the nineties. So, um, it had a opening for 1994 at least was 11. Um, I'm assuming this was a lot 11.7 million dollars. I could be wrong. Uh, no, 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 correction. Uh, it's 11, um, eleven hundred and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, it grossed us nine hundred nine point seven million and worldwide it was 9.5 i can't find any information on its home release uh but there was a sequel in talks of so if i can get through this one in 1995 kubrick and enlisted terry southerner to script a sequel titled son of strange love kirk and uh terry gilman uh, in mind to the direct. The script was never fully completed, but index cards laid out the story's basic structure and found among Southern's papers after his death in October 1995. It was set uh, largely in in an underground bunker where Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange Love, yeah, different character, yeah, different character, obviously, <laughs> uh, had taken refuge with a large group of women. At least 10, I assume. You, you would think but yeah yeah no Mm-mm. all right getting into the summary of this film united states air force brigadier general jack d ripper is commander of burpleson air force base which houses the 843rd bomb wing flying b-52 bombers armed with hydrogen bombs mm-hmm. the planes are on airborne alert two hours from their targets inside the ussr general ripper orders his executive officer, Group Captain Lionel Mandrake, an exchange officer from the Royal Air Force, to put the base on alert, confiscate all privately owned radios from base personnel, and issue Wing Attack Plan R to the patrolling bombers. All the aircraft commence attack flights on the USSR and set their radios to allow communications only through their CRM-114 discriminators, which are designed to accept only communications preceded by a secret three-letter code known only to General Ripper. Happening upon a radio that has been missed that had been missed earlier and hearing normal civilian broadcasting, Mandrick realizes that no attack order has been issued by the Pentagon and tries to stop Ripper, who locks both locks them both in his office. Ripper tells Mandrick that he believes the Soviets have been fluoridating American water supplies to pollute the precious bodily fluids of Americans. Aye. Mandrick realizes Ripper has become insane. In the war room of the Pentagon, General Buck Turgeson briefs General Merkin Muffley and other officers about how Plan R enables a senior officer to launch a retaliatory nuclear attack on the Soviets if all superiors have been killed in a first strike on the United States. It would have it would take two days to try every CRM code combination to issue a recall order, so Lieutenant Muffley orders the U.S. Army to storm the base and arrest General Ripper. Turgidson, noting the slim odds of recalling the planes in time, then proposes that Muffley not only let the attack continue, but send reinforcements. According to an unofficial study, this would result in modest and acceptable civilian casualties from the badly damaged and uncoordinated Soviet military 
that would remain after the initial attack. Muffley refuses this plan and instead brings Soviet Ambassador Alexei de Sadesky into the war room to telephone Soviet Premier Dmitry Kissoff on the hotline. Muffley warns the Premier of the impending attack and offers to reveal the targets, flight plans, and defensive systems of the bombers so that the Soviets can protect themselves. After a heated discussion with the Premier, the ambassador informs President Muffley that the Soviet Union created a doomsday machine as a nuclear deterrent. It consists of many buried ja bombs jacketed with cobalt-thorium-G, which are set to detonate automatically should any nuclear attack strike the country. The resulting nuclear fallout would then engulf the planet for 93 years, rendering the Earth's surface uninhabitable. The device cannot be deactivated as it is programmed to explode if any such attempt is made. The president's wheelchair-using scientific advisor, former German Nazi Dr. Strangelove, points out that a doomsday machine would only be an effective deterrent if everyone knew about it. Alexei replies that the Soviet premier had planned to reveal its existence to the world uh, the following week at the party congress. Because he likes surprises. U.S. Army troops arrive at Burpleson and battle with the garrison. After General Ripper commits suicide, Mandrake identifies Ripper's CRM code from the desk water and relays it to the Pentagon. Using the code, Strategic Air Command successfully recalls all the bombers except for one, commanded by Major T.J. King Kong, due to the radio equipment being damaged in a missile attack. The Soviets attempt to find it, but Kong has the bomber attack at a closer target due to dwindling fuel. As the plane approaches the new target, a Soviet ICBM site, the crew is unable to open the damaged bomb door, bomb bay doors. Kong enters the bay and repairs the electrical wiring while straddling an H-bomb, whereupon the doors open and the bomb is dropped. Kong joylessly hoots and waves his cowboy hat as he rides the falling bomb to his death. Back in the war room, Dr. Strangelove recommends that the president gather several hundred thousand people to live in deep underground mines where the radiation will not penetrate. He suggests a 10 to 1 female to male ratio for a breeding program to repopulate the Earth once the radiation has subsided, a plan which gathers enthusiastic support from an all-male command staff. Worried that the Soviets will do the same, Turgeson warns about a mine shaft gap while Alexei secretly photographs the war room. Dr. Strangelove declares he has a plan, then suddenly rises from the wheelchair and exclaims, Mind Fuhrer, I can walk! The film cuts to a montage of nuclear explosions accompanied by Vera Lynn's rendition of the song We'll Meet Again. Ay, ay, ay. Getting into the trivia for this film, Peter Sellers was paid $1 million, 55% of the film's budget. Stanley Kubik famously quipped, I got three for the price of six. Fair. Mm -hmm. Fair. So, uh, you know, Jack. Ripper, General Ripper was uh, worried about the fluoridation of water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, water fluoridation is actually a thing. And we have all been drinking fluoridated water. I've heard of it. Yes. Do you know what it is in it's reality? Not really. No. Fluoride in the water. For your yeah. Fluoride. Water, you. water fluoridation is the process of adding fluoride to the water supply. So the level reaches approximately 0 0.7 parts per million or 0 0.7 milligrams of fluoride per liter of water. This is the optimal level for preventing tooth decay. That is the entire reason that fluoridation of water happens. Yes. It is not a secret commie plot <laughs> that we know of. That we know of. <laughs> While shooting aerial footage over Greenland, the second unit camera crew accidentally filmed a secret U.S. military base. Their plane was forced down and the crew was suspected of being Soviet spies. Ba -dum -ba -bum. 
The scene where uh, General Turgidson trips and falls in the war room and then gets back up and resumes talking as if nothing happened really was an accident. Stanley Kubrick mistakenly thought it was George C. Scott really in character, so he left it in the film. Fair. Mm-hmm. This film led to actual changes in policy to ensure that the events depicted <laughs> could never really occur in real life. <laughs> Initially, the U.S. government dismissed Stanley Kubrick's scenario of an accidental nuclear war as too far-fetched. However, the scene where Group Captain Mandrake is trying to get through to the Pentagon with the code to recall the bombers, but doesn't have enough change for the payphone, was shown at a session of Congress. Members said it raised legitimate questions about whether crucial information could find its way to the right people during a nuclear crisis. <laughs> In the early 1960s, the B-52 was cutting-edge technology. Mm -hmm. Access to it was a matter of national security. The Pentagon refused to lend any support to the film after they read the script. There's a surprise. (laughs) Fair. Set designers, however, reconstructed the B-52 bomber's cockpit from a single photograph that appeared in a British flying magazine. When some American Air Force personnel were invited to view the movie's B-52 cockpit, they said it was a perfect copy. Stanley Kubrick feared that Ken Adams' production design team had used illegal methods and could be investigated by the FBI. Wow. Vera Lynn's climactic song, We'll Meet Again, is identified in its Wikipedia entry as one of the songs distributed in the BBC's wartime broadcasting service with the intention of improving morale in the event of a nuclear exchange. Oh, wow. The movie was originally going to end with a pie fight occurring in the war room. Yes. During the deleted pie fight scene, President Muffley took a pie to the face and fell down, prompting General Turgeson to cry, Gentlemen, our gallant young president has just been struck down in his prime. Had not Stanley Kubrick already decided to cut the pie fight by the time President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, Mm. the line, or possibly the entire sequence, probably still would likely have been cut due to its eerie similarity to actual events. Oh my goodness. The ninth nuclear explosion shot in the end sequence is the U.S. nuclear test Baker from Operation Crossroads, the first post-war nuclear test on the Bikini Atoll. Shot number 14 is Abel from the same operation, and shot number 15 is Trinity, the first atomic explosion ever. Wow. The reason why Major Kong climbs into the bomb base and manually hotwire the bay doors to open, but when he rides the bomb down, his shouts would not have been heard due to the vacuum of the air being sucked out of his throat, much akin to a skydiver. Mm-hmm. Oh. The scene where Major Kong rides the missile most likely was inspired by a similar scene in the movie The Adventures of Baron Munchausen from 1943, where the title character rides a cannonball into a building. Towards the climax of the film, a Coca-Cola machine is shot to obtain coin change for the payphone. During much of the 1980s, Columbia Pictures, which released this film, was owned by the Coca-Cola Company. The 50 caliber model 1919 described in the plot synopsis as used by Sterling Hayden is actually a 30 caliber model 1919. The 50 caliber has a different designation and is in fact much larger than the 30 caliber. Hmm. That's what I got for uh, trivia. So Dallas, what are your thoughts? What was your first like for this film? My first like for this film, I, I talked about it a bit earlier, was the cinematography of the film mm-hmm. the entire way through. Um, 
it's it's just a beautiful film every shot you could tell was very meticulously put together um it wasn't haphazardly thrown in um Kubrick really thought about angles, lighting. Lighting's a big deal, especially with the black and white film. And this is the 60s. It's not like he couldn't just yeah. do a color film. Yeah. He made the conscious choice to go, I'm going to shoot a black and white film. And the thing about black and white film is that when you do it, you have to plan for shadows. Things mm-hmm. don't look mm-hmm. the same um, uh, when you film color. That's the reason why in the original Superman series, um, the Superman suit was 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 gray. It was a black and white suit if you ever saw it in real life because colors don't come off right on black and white. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to adjust for them. It's the same reason why uh, in the black and white episodes of WandaVision, Mm -hmm. they had he uh, vision when he was in his robot form had, had blue skin instead of his normal red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's better on screen. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I appreciate the, the, the detail. Uh, the way that the the background was always blown out, the war room, holy crap, that's just mm-hmm. a cool looking scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just the epicness of it. You're like it, like even though it was comedy and it was a satire, you felt the 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 gravity of that room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Jacob, what's your first slide? My first slide is actually going to one performance in particular because I know we talked about it last night. Yeah, so I'm going to take one part. And it is George C. Scott's performance as General Buck Turgeson. Yeah, Turgeson. Turgeson. I was close. However you say it. Turgeson. Thank you very much. The the fact that like every scene he is in, he is eating the line, he is eating the scene beyond belief and over the top, like completely like blown out character of who he is, mm-hmm. everything that's going on. Yeah, the comics are doing this. So I, I enjoyed it so much. It was like, oh my gosh. And uh, I'll, I'll get into my second like in a few minutes when we get through this. But it was the, the fact that um, uh, Stanley Cooper, Stanley Cooper uh, it was, is notor- was notorious for taking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of takes, far as I understand. Mm-hmm. And so be like, apparently when he was doing with George C. Scott, he was like, okay, do it this one way do it this way do it this way like tone it down a little bit and then go completely bonkers with this scene and so apparently he took all the exaggerated scenes and made that the character and george c scott was not happy about that (laughs) at all he wasn't he was fuming because he was like it's like yeah i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm I'm an actor like this and he's just like wow and crazy uh, it's a good impression. <laughs> like you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this character every time in this. Like, but the fact that like you have one actor, one mm-hmm. actor alone is playing three characters, and oh at one gosh. point he was supposed to play four. Well, we hadn't got to him yet. Well, yeah, I know that, but I'm just like I'm saying, but like it's just like George C. Scott's character is like every time he's on scene, every time he's on screen is to me was gold because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this character gonna do? And I think it was in one of the commentaries that like he is a uh, obviously he's a you know a top press kind of man, but he's this like his. He has this more like a, like a childlike mentality in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like when he's talking to his you know his, his mistress on the phone, be like, yeah, be yeah. like, I, I I I can't come. Be like, yeah, be like, I'll, I'll be back. Be like, yeah, I can't leave because my, my boss is right here. So yeah, 
Uh, so this this was just a fun experience watching George C. Scott as his character and his right. over the top performance was absolutely just golden. I'm surprised you didn't talk about the scene where he's explaining if if the uh, they have a chance to actually make it through the radar and he's so excited about talking oh, yeah. about this bomber. <laughs> yes, getting through the radar. You're like, way too hyped about the worst that. Thing, way you could deliver this news that we're all doomed. Oh yeah, the the, the, one, the one line that always got me was like, it's like yeah, the, the um, oh what was it? Um, it's like yeah, worst case scenario, be like yeah, we got like fifty or sixty million people like total loss tops. That's all. Here, <laughs> give, 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 give or take, give or give, take, give or take, give or take. <laughs> I was like, "What the heck?" This dude was insane. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Insane. Like everybody in this movie, they're nuts. <laughs> I think I read somewhere someone said there's only about there's only two sane characters in the entire film: mm. Mandrake and the president. <laughs> Everyone I'm else like, is nuts. Yeah. So the president was sane, to be perfectly honest. At, near the end, uh, I think I would agree. I think he was being led straight to the madhouse. Yeah. <laughs> His advisors certainly were taking him there. Uh-huh. Right. But uh, as a transition, it's like my first like yes. actually is Peter Sellers' yes. performance. Yes. Not just as uh, Mandrake and the president, but also Dr. Strangelove himself. Yes. Because mm-hmm. if you did not know that that was the same actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. You wouldn't know. No. From no. the performance. They, they there's a little bit of similarity in the in the face of course mm-hmm. cuz it's the same actor. Yeah. But they did such a good job of separating these three characters. The only one that reminded me of anything was was Mandrake looking a little too much like Inspector Clouseau from the <laughs> Big Panther. Right. But, see, but that's just that's so good. That's the beauty of that actor, and yeah, like, you know, we, we make jokes for years about you know, you know, Clark can't puts on super or puts on uh, eyeglasses, and all of a sudden, you know, nobody can tell he's not Superman, right? Mm-hmm. But that's really what Sellers did is he yeah. just dressed his the way he presents himself. Mm-hmm. He was these characters, like he was yeah. so talented, and like like you said, the entire time you're like. Is this the same person, or did they get I mean, another actor? <laughs> it kind of looks like it, but how do you find three people that look this much alike and put it in the same film? Yeah, <laughs> and he was supposed to play Kong, also. Yeah, yeah. which makes sense. It's kind of weird that he he wasn't, but the reason he couldn't, he didn't do it. A, he had misgivings about playing a Texan because he wasn't mm. sure he could actually pull off the voice where it didn't sound hokey, mm-hmm. right? And that's why they hired Slim Pickens to take to do the role because uh, as his voice went out as they were getting ready to film those scenes, that was the other reason. And was one of those one of the reasons that he broke his foot? Yeah, that you know, he couldn't fit in the in the in the set. Yeah, there. Like because he like they he was they were doing some kind of set mm-hmm. with the the drop with the when he was going to drop it was like yeah. fifteen foot of drop and he actually fell. Right. So that's that's why they hired Slim Pickens, and yeah. of course Slim Pickens just had to talk his the normal way and he could sound exactly like a Texan. right right <laughs> and so I did, like i ahead. did read that uh earl jones thought that uh slim pickens was was staying in character offset mm-hmm. yeah and he did not realize that's that dude's actual voice yeah like he's just he's just a good old boy from west texas that's all that is that's yeah. all that is that's all it is <laughs> so for me like uh the, the all three of these characters like i i did not realize like probably like midway through this film, it mm. clicked. Bill, I did not realize that Peter, uh, Peter Sellers was playing all three of these characters. I was like, wait a, 
It's like, oh my God, he's all three characters. You're welcome <laughs> for not telling you. About, yeah, thank I mean, you, thank about you. About anything much. about this that. film, I do. I really appreciate him. that. I was, I was like, and there's, I'll, I'll get there with my second like, but oh my gosh, like I, like I, I've seen characters like they do like one or two characters, mm-hmm. and they they may be similar, but all three of these characters are completely different. Yeah, so separate as each other. But like you have the 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 British Colonel, the 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 crazy. Nazi scientists and uh, the president. <laughs> yeah, it's just so diversely different as characters, and right. it's it's one incredible actor playing mm-hmm. all three. Yeah, if I could fan cast Doctor Str- or Doctor Strangelove as a different actor, what do you guys think about uh, Gene Wilder? I could see this from yeah. uh, Young Frankenstein because he does yeah. has a lot of great uh, moments where I thought it was Gene that. Wilder. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I can see that. Yeah. I'm not, sh- I, I can't see him saying some of those things, but <laughs> granted, but you know, I could, I could see him in the role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he could pull off that German accent though. Oh, uh, you never know. <laughs> oh, anyway. <you> ne- <laughs> yes. So Dallas, what's your second like for this film? Yeah. So my second like for the film is uh just the jokes within it like just all throughout the the subtle jokes even like down to the people's names like jack d ripper mm-hmm. um and they were they were so well crafted and what was great is that everyone played the jokes as straight as they could yeah like mm-hmm. agree like, like you're watching this and you're like are they really saying this uh-huh. <laughs> like is my dude really like going crazy and getting excited about about how you know they're just all doomed because his boys can fly that beef into like nobody's business yeah and just that the entirety of the film like the the comedy hits just right especially mm-hmm. if you pay attention some of it was mm-hmm. definitely jokes where you have to pay attention but yeah I, a lot the comedy of was great. yes there are so Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you're <laughs> no. good. I was just commenting. Yeah, I was. I was all I had was just the jokes, man. They land just all the way through the film. Uh, they just they're great jokes. Um, I'm not a huge dark comedy fan, mm-hmm. but uh, these land nicely. Agreed. Jacob, what's your second line? Mine kind of follows in what Dallas just said. Uh, the, the, it's a beautiful dark satire. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to to be honest, to be transparent, be like, I'm watching this movie. And there again, for our listeners and uh, our the people who watched and have uh, have listened to uh, Movie of the Week podcast, uh, I w- I've never been a big fan of movies that make take itself way too serious and trying mm-hmm. to be a comedy. Of course, maybe. <laughs> Just maybe, just maybe. So I'm. He I'm, has no taste, but yet he has good taste. Take, so take so, that back, good man. So you have a. You have no taste. B. You have good taste. I don't know. C. I don't know what any of that means. It mixed together. So. <laughs> yeah, it's all crazy, man. Just go I don't know what's going on here. I still think you were just not in a good mood when you watched that. <laughs> that, that could have been. You never know. You in the right I, I, I guess. I guess I'm going to have to repent no. and go back and rewatch the film. Give it time. I'll force you to watch it again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a beautiful dark satire. So I'm to be honest, being transparent, be like, I'm in the middle of this film and I'm watching him like, this is crazy. What the, what's going on? 
And it's like, I'm enjoying it this entire time. I'm like, I have to pause it. I sit back and just laugh the hardest laugh. Be like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it. This is a satire. I did not get it. I'm sitting there thinking and like, because in my mind, they're like, oh my gosh, this is real serious. But then all the like quirky little jokes mm-hmm. and the overacting, I'm like, what in the world's going on? And then my mind clicks. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a satire. This is brilliant. Yeah. And uh, just showing the ridiculousness of the, the, how we <laughs> launch the, the, the atomic missiles. Yeah, right. exactly. It's just, be like the, there again, like how Dallas said, like how the jokes fall perfectly mm-hmm. and be like, you believe the characters. They're all like most of the, the acting itself is overacting and it's just beautifully wonderfully executed and the jokes like like alice said they fall perfect mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh my gosh where has this movie been all my life <laughs> <laughs> this is great <laughs> so i do have taste thank you very much <laughs> so my second like is going to take a little bit of explanation because the way i'm going to word this sounds like it should be a dislike mm. But it's not because I actually like how it's used here. And that's the fact that the film doesn't have a resolution. Mm. Mm. It stops at the start of another down part of the downward spiral. Granted, we didn't see this part of the downward spiral at the beginning because we were getting ready to, you know, actually have the attack hit. Mm-hmm. They're getting ready to repeat everything that happened all the way back to the to the end of what what happened with what what do you say? The uh the 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 bomb race the space race and the peace race and yeah. now we're getting to the mine shaft race right <laughs> it's going to be the same thing again that's why it just kind of stops right instead of like actually coming to an actual resolution it's like the, the if this is a song it's about to loop again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i like how it just it, it, when i first watched this or at least when i watched it this last time that was actually an an issue I thought about. The more I thought about, it's like that is actually brilliant because the entire part of what or the, the the what this movie is trying to get at, uh, Ripper actually says fairly early on that uh, he says uh, uh, he says oh, this one guy said uh, war was too important to be left in the hands of generals. Mm-hmm. I think it's too important to be left in the hands of politicians. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe a war is too important to be left in anyone's hands. True. <laughs> so uh, that the fact that it was just going to keep spiraling out of control after this, which I think is what the, Kubrick was trying to get at because mm-hmm. it was starting up again as they were talking about, you know, we can't allow a mine shaft gap. <laughs> it's like, this is just starting up again, isn't it? Yeah. And that's yep. how this is going to, that's how the sequel would have gone. It would be actually looking at the mind shaft gap. So <laughs> I like how it just kind of doesn't actually resolve anything. It's like, yeah. no, we're, we're, we're going to keep going down because this is just where it ends. That's why we're now just going to show, because even if we had gone into the, the pie scene, mm-hmm. the pie fight scene, which would have taken place almost immediately after a strange love uh, stood up mm-hmm. and I can see why that would not have worked. Cause that would have just gotten too silly. Mm-hmm. I think. But stopping right there, it just felt like, yeah, this is all you need to see because it's just going to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that. We trust you to kind of put the connections together. Say, yeah, it's not going to end at this <laughs> rate. 
So yeah, that's my second like. That's fair. And, and I think that's part of the the beauty of, of Kubrick's film is that it's causing to you to think. Like that's the point mm-hmm. of, of all of his yeah. films is to think deeper, think about the themes that are going through it. And so I could see that being a like. And you're right. It is a great setup on how mm-hmm. he talks about the circle of things. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. If I could, I like to make that my segue into my dislike, though. Go right ahead. We Go were about, I was about to ask what your first dislike was. My wow, it's a great way of that he did it. What makes satire great, in my opinion, is that it presents the obvious problem, but also presents, in some fashion, the solution to the problems that you see taking place. And normally, it's pointed out in a humorous way. Mm-hmm. And there was never a solution presented throughout the entirety of the film. It was just like. All he, Kubrick was doing was like, look how stupid everything is. Like throughout the entirety of the movie, mm-hmm. there was nobody there who was genuinely rational and sane that could point out this is the answer. Maybe you might be able to make a case for Mandrake and him trying to talk some sense into uh, Ripper a few times, mm-hmm. but there was never a potentiality for uh, a solution for everyone to walk into. Uh, which I think would play great because that would have added to the satire of itself. And that, uh, because again, a lot of, a lot of the themes here is that the government was ignorant and the government is causing these issues and they're going to cause a cycle of, of stuff taking place. And they have a tendency to ignore obvious answers at the same time. So I think mm-hmm. that having a character or two who introduces the solution and then just be completely ignored would have been a fantastic way or would have added just straight into it while continuing the conversation of a good satire. Um, and again, I, I'm coming from a point of view of somebody who enjoys political satire. Um, years and years ago, I actually wrote a paper on political satire going all the way back to uh, old newspapers and stuff like that. And again, it's you have the humorous point out the issue, but good satire also that has a point says, here's the answer and tries to show a a a direction to people because otherwise it's just complaining jacob what's your first dislike my i'll be like this right hang on did you did you finish your dislike dallas yeah yeah, i finished my dislike okay (laughs) my my first dislike this is hard because this movie is so well done oh yeah beautiful it'd be like there again cinematography acting script satire the whole enchilada like the the only thing i can put any kind of qualm against is that the the innuendos are just it's like it's so saturated it's just Mm -hmm. like really really we're going there it's i understand be like this is a worldly movie and it's talking about you know stuff of that nature and and, it's, and the idea of repopulating the species is something that would come up. Yeah, of course. But this is like like the entire you know sexual windows are throughout just throughout the entire film from your opening to your closing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like at some point I'm just like I'm getting disgusted at. It. I'm like yeah. really. And it's it, just it, like, it gets to a point. It's like. I, am I getting Freudian with this? Because I'm yeah, just seeing exactly. in window everywhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you well, weren't. It was Kubrick. If that, if I, if I, let me just throw this in. This is my second dislike is the, mm-hmm. the amount of anyone does. And this is more of a critique of, of Kubrick. He had an obsession with um, doing films to talk about 
the problems with people's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, he believed everyone had an obsession with sex in some fashion. So you look at his, his previous movies, Lolita, uh, mm-hmm. this one, Dr. Strangelove, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, even yeah. Full Metal Jacket and Clockwork Orange, all of them, these psychotic things that also, like there's often this underbed of going, well, the real problem is everyone is sex craved uh, or obsessed. And mm-hmm. um, I, it, it that was... Drew or Jacob, thank you because that is legitimately one of my biggest annoyances. The whole thing is, yeah, Kubrick's obsession with something that I think he makes a bigger deal of than he really should. Yeah, agreed. And it it kind of plays into like our our modern culture even now that our culture is so obsessed with mm-hmm. uh, sexuality and being tying our our very nature, identity identity with sex or our sexuality or our chosen sexuality. And it's 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 so sad. It's like it, do you I mean, like why do you choose to identify yourself with your sexual preference over like who God created you? And like Kubrick, the entire time, everything has like these huge, massive sexual inlays. And it's just like like I said before, the the movie itself. By the end of it, I'm thinking in my my heart and my soul. It's like this is the pride. This is the pravity beyond oh, yeah. belief. Mm-hmm. Be like, understand. Be like the the world might end. You might have to repopulate the planet. But these these guys get so uh, so wrapped up in like, oh my gosh, I get to do this and I get to do this and I the 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 uh, the lustful desires of their heart is being fulfilled or the, mm-hmm. the, the lusts of their hearts are being like overflowed with the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, you pigs, you absolute pigs. <laughs> and, um, it's just like, uh, like I, I'm, I'm be like, obviously we're all guys here, yeah. and yeah. be like, yeah, we, we all have desires. We all have like, it's, it mm-hmm. happens, but it's just this, like, oh, it's it drove it drove me nuts by the end of this film. I'm like, really? And like, mm-hmm. like you said, Dallas, with the uh, Kubrick and his obsession with the, uh, uh having subjects over sexuality. And it's just, it's like the, the deeper you get into your relationship with Christ, the more you realize and be like, man, can I get away from this world? Yeah. And uh, you, you see the depravity and be like, obviously you see it now because it's all over the place. It's right in your face nowadays. Mm-hmm. But like back then it kind of, it wasn't, but it was, mm-hmm. but at the same it time, the back rooms back then. Now it's, yeah, back it's in your pocket. Yeah. But it used to be behind the beaded curtain. Now it's, on the cell phone yeah mm-hmm. or on the street corner and uh it's it's just sad and it's it's, it's not where we need to you know pick it you know pick it and be like oh you people are deprived you're going to hell but go to go to him be like hey jesus loves you and like and be like if you turn to him you turn from your wicked ways be like your life's gonna be a whole lot better you're not being uh driven by your you know your carnal desires but the fulfillment mm-hmm. of what god wants you to do right right so yeah, that's my first dislike. So since we are of the same thought with this point, <laughs> I might as well jump ahead to what was going to be my second dislike. Okay, <laughs> but I'll come back to my first here in a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I'm not a big fan of, of course, all the little sexual innuendos throughout this, and in some ways. I think it made a lot of the jokes not land for me. I think part of that also is the simple fact that I've seen this movie 
so many times mm-hmm. I, by now it's like i i don't even find some of the actual humor humorous anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just looking at look how horrible this world is at by through this one uh point of view which i can still which scarily enough i can still see happening today mm-hmm. uh there's a reason why uh uh war games that movie came out in the 80s Mm because we had the same problem it was just now on a computer Mm -hmm. and not in human hands Mm -hmm. so but even without that in the the sexual innuendos just continually coming up over and over i mean even the logo that's on the front of the criterion box oh gosh uh, i has the innuendo on it it so yeah it's I, I it's one of those things where once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah. So I guess. leave it at that. Definitely from a like a graphic design standpoint yeah. or design standpoint, it's like it's oh, like, my oh gosh. I see what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Wow, why did I not see this before? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but once you see it, you cannot unsee it. No, nope, yeah. you can't. And it makes and it makes sense. But uh I think all, this was probably like one of the first times where I watched it knowing what was going on. And I don't think I laughed or even giggled like once through the whole thing. I think there's a couple chuckles maybe, but I have to say that at this point in my life, this might be the least funny dark comedy I've seen. Oh, wow. Just to put it that way. I know it worked better for y'all, but like I said, I think I've seen this film too many times. Mm -hmm. That could be. In recent memory. So I just, because all I could see was look how horrible and and depraved all this is. Yeah. So, since Dallas already kind of gave his second dislike, <laughs> Jacob, what's yours? I don't have a second dislike. Oh, well, then like, we'll just jump back to me then. Yeah, it's in your corner, pal. Apparently. Uh, this is a very pedantic dislike for this, mm-hmm. but all of the shots of the B-52 model in front of the rear projected oh, image yes. did not age well <laughs> in the slightest. And it would be a little more acceptable had during the opening sequence we not have these beautiful shots of the airplanes refueling, which is very obviously actual shots of airplanes refueling yes, right. in midair. So I have that image in my in my head, and then we go to the shots of the B-52 flying over Greenland, which is supposed to be Russia. Right. And I'm going, oh, that looks bad in comparison mm-hmm. y'all could have done this uh, somehow done this a little bit better <laughs> uh and i guess this is a pedantic thing because i mean if the opening was different i wouldn't have noticed or cared if right. uh if the quality of the image was better i probably might not have noticed or cared yeah because that is one of the other things i found out about this is that there are no original prints left of this movie of course it's a Kubrick film well, because they over over copied the film originally. Really, all we have are like the footprints that were sent to theaters. No, kidding. really, yeah, huh? And that's what this one was pulled from. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that uh, copied kind of film degradation that's baked in, even to the Criterion Blu-ray. That kind of just doesn't make it work for me a little. Right. I think. But like I say, I'm being pedantic about this nitpick. So sure keep do with that as information as you will yeah <laughs> far as i understand it's like cooper when he passed away he had like everything that wasn't like the like the core of that any like all of his films mm-hmm. destroyed 
like all the hundreds and thousands of tapes. Supposedly, we may have the pie fight out there somewhere, but it's being held in secret. Uh, what I've I seen images of the pie fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I have like a Mandela effect of seeing video footage of the pie fight at some yeah. point in time. And this may be purely a Mandela effect type of thing going on. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think. I think I remember it from like watching this on like Turner Classic Movies back in the day, and they showed like two seconds of it or a photo of it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're yeah, trying, I get you're, what you're saying. Yeah, and I can see where your your mind would animate those scenes mm-hmm. into yeah. like creating something in motion. Yeah, right. That. But that'd be so much fun to watch. <laughs> And far as I understand, is like Cooper could be like he he realized everybody was smiling too much and they were laughing too much. They're like, yeah, I can't use this shot. It's a great shot, but I can't use it. Well, and also it's just too silly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Apparently, though, like he had like six cameras going at all times during the uh, the final scene, mm-hmm. and yeah. parts because he had to keep cutting back and forth because the guys were laughing mm-hmm. at um, at Doctor Strange loves. Uh... <laughs> Performance, performance. performance. <laughs> yeah. For those of you on the audio version, that was Jacob acting like Doctor Strange, of trying to keep his <laughs> phantom hand from doing the Nazi salute. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, we we need to rate this thing. Yes. Dallas, what are you rating this film? Um, again, from a cinematic point of view, uh, it's a piece of history, and mm-hmm. uh, artistically, it's it's a beautiful film. Like hands down, it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, now the amount of innuendo that's in it, the the conversation about depravity that we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, which again is one part of the point of the film, but also one point part of like it. Just Kubrick had an obsession with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give this a, about a seven or an eight. Um, again, it's it's a great film. I own it because it is a historically. Uh, important film from a mm-hmm. cinematographic, uh, cinematographic. I can't say words today, but from a cinema point of view, it's it's a important film, and there are jokes that, that I laugh at. You know, the the final scene, my viewer, I can walk. Like that was funny. Like it just comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's comedic gold. Now again, there's some other stuff that was kind of junky, but so yeah, about mm-hmm. seven or eight. Okay, okay, Jacob. Uh, I'd say nine. <laughs> She's always. I had a feeling. <laughs> like uh I I would definitely give this movie a nine. This is the first time watching this uh-huh. film. And yes, there is such depravity and debauchery talked about this film. And uh, like you said, be like the cinematography is golden, the performances are golden, the uh the the satire, the dark satire of this film is so rich and thick of just like beautiful writing. And uh, Kubrick's like his his eye of cinematography, the way he set things up, mm-hmm. the fact that he shot this all in black and white in the '60s was like what in the it was like wow because my my first thought was like okay it was shot in color and they just converted it no, no they shot it in black and white it's like oh my gosh this is amazing like I love this film so yeah it's getting a nine I don't mean a no I mean a nine. <laughs> I am also going to give this film a nine. It is, like I said, this is one of my favorite films, not for the depravity that we talked about, but <laughs> exactly because of the, uh, the, uh, the acting, the cinematography, the, uh, the bits of comedy that I do remember being funny. <laughs> I, 
because I, I, like I said, I think I have seen this film too many times now. No. Um, it's it's classic. It's one that I think everyone kind of should watch it for no other reason than to kind of have an idea as to how the Cold War was. Because let's face it, all three of us are too young <laughs> to remember the Cold War that mm-hmm. much. Right. Though with the current situation in Ukraine, who knows how long that'll last. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm giving it a nine. So next week, uh, we are going to be reviewing the film Mirai on mm-hmm. Netflix, and I have no idea what this is, Me, uh, or if I'm even saying the name correctly. Yeah, because I, I remember seeing this, because it was like one of the films was coming out this year, or was coming mm-hmm. out a couple years ago. And uh, I was like, ooh, this sounds interesting. Why don't I put this on there? I, there again, I don't really remember what this movie's about. I'm just like, oh, that looks interesting. So we'll figure it out next week. Okay. We're going into this one blind, folks. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, join us on the other side of the bumpers. And we'll be talking about what we've been watching, uh, whatever we got in the news, and uh, possibly an interrogation. And then, of course, a little bit of X-Men. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Geek Devotions. Geek Devotions is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They are not just a podcast. They are an entire network of shows, podcasts, and YouTube videos that are designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community, bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. They produce a weekly geek culture-infused devotional. There is their podcast, Com Talk. There's another podcast where they read books, allegedly. There's also another podcast where uh, they look through the Gundam Watch. And uh, if you're into, if you like movies, just like we do, you can check out them reviewing bad movies over at the bottom shelf. So uh, you can find all their content and more uh, at uh, geekdevotions.com. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com. And not this person because I saw him deleted it from the audio. To get your name on the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to I the podcast, plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. Get on the ball, man. Let's do this. You realize it's five audio files that I have to edit. I know, I know, I know. So, guys, I have a question for y'all. What have you been watching? Dallas, why don't we start with you? Oh, what have I been watching? I've been watching uh, several things over the last little bit. Um, we are, um, I, I, I watched Dr. Strangelove. I don't know if you guys know about this film. Mm-hmm. It's an yeah. interesting film. Oh, I've, I've never heard of this film. What's, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> is that, is that like oh, this, another new MCU film connected to Dr. Strange? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the... Like, uh, it's, I'm kind of tie in between that and Thor since they have that character named Love on there. It's part of the What If series that Marvel oh, okay. okay, that makes more sense. We talked yeah, about yeah. reviewing those, but we haven't gotten yeah. back to them yet. <laughs> no, but I've been watching some uh, various things. been watching um, the... Um, Muppet Mayhem on Disney Plus. I've watched one episode. I need to get back to it. 
so I put out this controversial statement. And I didn't expect to be controversial, which was, first off, I'm not a huge Muppet fan. And to Fair. date, my favorite Muppet film has been, uh, to me, the best Muppet film is the uh, Muppets from Space. I question your uh, thought process there, but we'll continue. <laughs> we can have this conversation if you want to on, on the air. You just let me know. I, okay, let, let me just state my opinion. It is not the worst Muppet film. But it's not my favorite. Fair. It's it's my favorite. Mostly because of the music. Muppets Most Wanted is the worst Muppet film. <laughs> yeah. So, but like it's mostly the music for me. Uh when fair, I worked at Ho- when I worked at Hollywood Video, I would put that movie in and play it over the thing. And for the next hour and a half, we didn't have stupid customers. Um, because people would chill, they would enjoy the music. We have people dancing in the aisles as they're renting movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just the the move the music in uh, Muppets from Space is just my kind of music. Uh, it's the R and B soul type of music. And Electric Mayhem, um, they play a lot of great music, and so I've been enjoying it. It's been funny to watch, and the music's been great for it. And so I, I've really been enjoying that. I've also been playing a lot of. Uh, I've been trying to play a lot of uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and that's been a fascinating game to me. How far into it are you? Because I think I'm still very much ahead of you. Oh, you more than likely are because I'll let me able to plug in. Like, like today was the first day that I've been able to actually plug in a lot of time. Um, I'm I'm off the floating island and mm-hmm. I'm trying to hit as many of the shrines in that first area after you get your paraglider. Okay. And uh, I Wanna just make sure heading... you got the paraglider first because that doesn't tell you to go jump on that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then uh, I I'm up, I just entered into the northwest region, trying into Rito Village. Like just before I got on here, I got into Rito Village. Uh, since you're up there at Rito Village, I'm going to make a suggestion. Okay. In the area just south of Rito Village, which is right over the line of on the map, mm-hmm. there is the stable that used to be there yeah. in the uh, in Breath of the Wild, which is now apparently a newspaper office. I just There's- stopped in there. There is a side quest there uh, you need to pick up. Yes, where and, and apparently I get froggy armor. Yes. Okay, so you you do know about that. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just making sure. Yep. Yep. I ran I, into that. I just finished the temple that was causing that blizzard. <laughs> nice. So well, I'm interested to see. I that actually did that on finish that on stream. Nice. Now I'll say this: it's the the game is interesting. I'm not going to call out anybody. I have a friend who a great person, love him to death. They missed the instructions to go talk to Pura and get her glider. I can understand that. My friend has gone through and done a ton of the the shrines. They've been playing hours on end. They've gotten almost all their abilities, and they still don't have their glider. And they just found they needed the glider on Wednesday. Oh my word! <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, I've been being to ask. There's a her. lot of that game. I'm sitting here going. How did you get through that without the glider? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. I, I, I've been meaning to ask her how she's been doing the towers. Because, because that means she hasn't done any of the towers. There's no map. <laughs> she's and if like, that's the case, you haven't gone into the into the depths yet, which is where a lot of other cool things are. <laughs> so like, she's a talented individual, but uh <laughs> it happens, it happens. So right, yeah, yeah, unless you know to Follow the quest up to a certain, the, the main quest up to a certain point. I can understand wanting to just, when you finally got off the sky, the, the, that first set of islands, it's like, 
okay, I'm on the ground. I got freedom. I can go do whatever I want now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really should hang tight a little bit for the story. <laughs> there's a couple things you need to take care of first. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I've been watching and doing as of late. Ah, uh-huh. Jacob. So I finished the Apple TV special still. Still? Still. Oh, distill. No, still, as in to be still. So I like, still don't know what we're shine. talking about. <laughs> like what, what make they make moonshine in a still. no 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 it's, absolutely, it's the Michael J Fox story um, oh yeah his documentary that like oh my gosh so it's they're gonna be like Michael J Fox obviously we all know from uh, Family Ties Back to the Future I uh, mostly know him from Back, Back to, to the, the future. future that is true um, fair so the fact to be like this movie just shoot me yeah just shoot me uh, he has Parkinson's uh, his mm-hmm. foundations. His foundation, Fox, uh, and uh, just the 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 day to day struggle of him working through his Parkinson's, his uh, his constant uh, positive attitude about it, and uh, it's it's really inspiring to watch someone who has he be like the, the guy who's a constant joker be like he falls and like breaks his foot and just making jokes about it the entire time mm-hmm. just make people laugh because he's always been picked on because he was little. And um, I, I found it really, really interesting. It was a really good documentary and highly recommend it. Uh, there again, it's on Apple TV. You subscribe to Apple TV. And uh, so I was going through Netflix uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, obviously, they've got Arnold Schwarzenegger on a TV show over there. And yes, I'm that's aware a, of the news. Yes. So uh, Chief so, of Action. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Chief of Action. I saw that one. That was interesting. So I, I stumbled across a movie that I remember watching as a kid, and I was like, this isn't the same film I remember, which would be Conan the Barbarian on Netflix. Huh. And yeah. uh, oh my gosh, I was like, like I watched this as a kid? What in the world? <laughs> like, I did not realize it had all of this stuff in here. I'm like, huh? What in the world? It's like, okay, this is an interesting film. They're like, yeah, I totally understand why they cast Arnold Schwarzenegger at that time in his career. Mm-hmm. Be like, he he's not like vocally like he's not he doesn't he does some talking, but not a lot of talking. Um, he's he's got one great line. It's like be like it, uh, I can't remember what was it. Um, be like he's talking to he's talking to his quote unquote God in air quotes. And be like you know call if you like if you if if you hear me be like um um. I mean, like, grant me, grant me vengeance, and if you don't, the hell with you. And uh, I was like, I was like, okay, that was a good line. But overall, I was like, okay, this is interesting. And they did a second one, and they're never going to do a third one, ever. Apparently, but they <laughs> did do a cartoon, and that they, cartoon was lit. Okay, didn't know about that. Did not know about that. Hmm. So the third thing I finally got around to finishing was also on Netflix. I believe it was on Netflix. It was on Netflix. Uh, was the Last Dance? This was the Michael Jordan slash the Michael B. Jordan. No, Michael Jordan. Oh, okay. You know the basketball king. That's why I was double checking. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, the man, Air Jordan. I'm just saying you don't. There's only one movie I know of off the top of my head that Michael Jordan was in. Yeah, Space Jam. Space Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> it was, they do bring up a little bit here and there, but it's the his run from 1992 with the Chicago, Chicago Bulls to 1998, I believe. 
And it's that entire run of where they, they win like six championships. Mm. And just like this amazing run, you realize like, be like Michael Jordan, be the constant perfect, constant athlete profession perfectionist. And uh, it's just like, it was so fascinating to watch this. Cause there again, that was my era of basketball was, you know, the Michael Jordan, Mm -hmm. Chicago bulls, uh, the dream team from the Olympics to like all these amazing moments in basketball history. That's what I knew of basketball. And so like, whenever someone says be like, Oh yeah, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant was the best one or this person is or whatever. Be like, dude, whatever. It's Michael Jordan. Shut up. (laughs) But uh, it's like, yeah, that was the era of basketball. I loved and watching those or remembering those games. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, like I think it was one game. It was one, the one championship be like he, he ordered pizza. They were in a certain time. They were they weren't in Chicago, and he got the pizza. And his his handlers were like, "Dude, I don't know about this." Like three guys showed up with this pizza, and Jordan's the only one who eats it and just scarfs it. And he's <laughs> he is throwing up. Like yeah, he got food poisoning, like intentional mm. food poisoning. No, and he still played the game, Oof. and won the game too. Got to I'm talking about guy. a beast. That man did not stop. Ever. No, he did not. It'd be like he. It'd be like if someone dissed him in, in any fashion or form. That was his fuel for the entire game, and he was going to destroy somebody. I was and like, wow. <laughs> and it was just. I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is an amazing documentary. It's like, yeah, if you're if you like like basketball or was a, like me growing up watching the Chicago Bulls and their run. Uh, for the the NBA title, this was an amazing documentary. I know it came out like a couple of years ago, like last year or something like that. Mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, I love it! It was so good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, other than that, the like watching this or watching this movie, and uh, a lot of true crime, like usual. There's a, a true surprise. Crime. surprise, surprise to nobody. <laughs> so yeah, what about you, Drew? Well, minus minus playing a uh, a high really talked about the Hyrule game. <laughs> yeah, the Hyrulean uh, elf. Because I have been playing Tears of the Kingdom also. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I did finally. So the primary reason I went ahead and went up <laughs> to the Wind Temple because I needed to finish one of them because I kept trying to figure out why something some quests would not unlock in the main town. And finally, I had broke down and got my iPad, got out on my iPad <laughs> and looked it up. How do you get this quest to go? Because obviously I'm supposed to go some, somewhere in the depths, There's but it won't no give shame. me this quest to go do it. <laughs> and I found out, oh, you've got to actually beat a temple first before that quest will pop. Okay, fine. I'll go up there. I was trying to hold that stuff off to last, but fine. <laughs> so I went up. Uh, so uh, that's i'm enjoying that game because it's very easy just to it's very fun just to explore in that yeah. game because you never know what you're gonna find i i, I took out a, a construct uh the other day with uh which i, I don't know if you, you've run across this but they're the, the block robot things up mm-hmm. in the sky and i was I had to steal this crystal that he had on his back i could have stole the crystal and escaped but that's not i didn't feel that was right i felt i still had to take him out <laughs> and that took about seven tries. Yeah, they're, they're rough. And then I did not save. No. Oh, geez. Immediately after that. <laughs> and I tried to figure out how to get said crystal 
where I had to take it so the shrine would unlock because this crystal was in the shape of one of the shrines. Mm. And uh, I fell out of the sky and realized my mistake as soon as I respawned up in uh, in the battlefield and I started getting attacked by this thing again. Oh, <laughs> gosh. It's like, oh, my word. Have you gotten the gliding uh, armor yet? Yes, I have all three pieces. I'll, I just have the shirt right now. And that helps so much. <laughs> sure, it helps more here. than the other two pieces, but I wanted to go ahead and get all the stat bonus. Right. So I did go through like all, I, I did find all three of those. Uh, right. Which, let me tell you the, uh, Hatain, the, the, the tower at Hateno Village, which is where, uh, where one of those challenges is. Mm -hmm. You better make sure you've got, since, since you're going to the Wind Temple already. Go ahead and make sure you get the uh, armor there so that you help you with the chill because you'll need it over there because I didn't have that. Hmm. <laughs> I was scarfing down those uh, five chili uh, chili dishes so I would actually survive mm -hmm. the cold <laughs> trying to get to the top of that stupid mountain so I could launch in the sky. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, I have been watching... Uh, well, this last Tuesday, I was on another podcast for uh, Retro Rewind, oh. and I and we reviewed The Mask of Zorro. So, of course, I watched that Sunday. I was kind of a last-minute deal. I just barely saw that he was requesting as soon as Church let out. I said, oh, <laughs> I can make that happen. So I didn't. I watched that movie, enjoyed it. I listened to that episode of Retro to get my full thoughts. Uh, but it is a classic, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so, uh, also, uh, as I was get, get, finishing editing this episode, uh, this previous episode of Cellcast, I threw in, well, I don't know if this is in your news, Jacob, so if mm. I'm stealing your thunder, I apologize. Go for it. But uh, earlier this week, StarTrek.com released images of That's Mariner and mm. Boimler in their live action but being with their live act action actors who are going to be in the Strange New Worlds crossover sometime that. in season two. <laughs> and that's that actually finally got me to, oh, yeah, I actually need to finish season one because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got distracted and only watched half the season. And it's been so long since I watched season one. I need to start over. <laughs> So I watched the first episode of Strange New Worlds, which if you've not, I have to say this, because if you've not watched Discovery Season 2, Strange New Worlds assumes you kind of know what's going on there, because there's some right. of that stuff they just talk about and don't explain. Right. Because uh, Pike from that from Strange New Worlds and uh, Number One and Spock, the, the actors they hired for that, they actually hired for Season 2 of Discovery. And that, and Honestly, that was the best casting decision mm. they made for Discovery, uh, if we're being honest. So um, you kind of have to know what at least happened during that season, understand why Pike is acting the way he is. But one of the cool things I noted there is the first time I saw this, I didn't. this was something I didn't catch because I had never seen the film um, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm. But since I saw this episode the first time, I have seen the movie. How the how the earth ah, the day the earth stood still the original which, the original okay okay good 
God, I, I have not seen the, the remake because I figured that was garbage back when I worked at Walmart. And the only way we got any copies of the new one were two packs with the original film. Ah. I figured, oh, this movie's so bad. The only way they could sell it is to sell the original film. And this is a bonus feature. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of jealous. I'm, I'm kind of upset I didn't snag that copy. I have a I have a goal in life to collect certain classic movies and their mm. adaptations. Mm -hmm. And that's on the list. Uh, ah, the time mm. machine war of the worlds uh i want to get the classics and the remakes of it it's not great that let the remake of it actually the director of what i remember was a christian mm -hmm. and he purposely put in some christian um iconography and uh themes within the film uh, purpose um it's a bit on the nose in a few places but it's pretty solid ah but it's also completely different from the original movie. <laughs> I, I, I had the suspicion. I remember when the trailer, the commercials were out. I just thought this does not look. I have I have not seen the original. And this does not look accurate, or like it's even res being respectful of the original that much. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, but I didn't get around to seeing the original until uh, October this last year. And uh, now that I've seen it, it, that scene in Strange New Worlds makes perfect sense. How he's able to pull from what oh what is that character's name in in uh uh daily earth's just still the the alien not the robot not his robot but the mm. actual dude um anyway he pulls from that speech to actually get out of the uh the situation mm. that that episode's in so uh yeah i i'm enjoying going back through strange new worlds to get caught up for season two which is in like a month so, uh, so kind of speaking on that, because Drew sent me a picture because obviously we've done uh, lower three decks, seasons of lower three decks. seasons of lower decks for for TAS, and so he sent me that picture. Of, I figure you'd be interested. Yeah, of, of Boimler and Mariner, and my response was, I wonder how much crap will Mariner get away with in this episode. <laughs> I ain't gonna let her get away with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought because the entire time of like all three seasons, I'd be like, wow. Who is going to ground this this young lady? Well, gonna, of, this is like, ugh. That being like, said, I, I actually suggest going and watch, even if you've not seen Strange New Worlds, mm -hmm. go and watch the trailer for at least the last second yeah. when Spock does the live long and prosper to Boimler, and Boimler kind of just starts geeking out. Like, <laughs> well, have you ever seen that episode of uh, a Big Bang Theory when Penny, uh, it's the Christmas episode, and Penny gets that signature from leonard nimoy yeah to give to sheldon as a birthday as a mm -hmm. christmas present and he kind of goes nuts mm -hmm. similar but there's only like two seconds of it so i mean it's not too crazy but it was kind of that feeling so go check out that trailer if you get a chance mm. that's what i've been watching jacob what do we have in the news the cell cast news with your host jacob heron Well, Bumblebee, Transformers, <laughs> transform and roll out. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> I thought it was an interesting segue between that. Anyways, okay. so enter in, in the news. Uh, obviously, Transformers fans are excited about Transformers 1 coming out. Maybe at, they are. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. 
be like if, if you know the Transformers fandom, be like they are just like eek. Anything Transformers that is not the Bayverse. <laughs> exactly. I, I am excited about the Beast Machines movie. I'm gonna see it. Yeah, I still want to watch that. Yeah. I, I still mean, haven't watched Bumblebee yet. I, I hear mean, it's a really good film. I mean, I sat through the last night in theaters and it was the most the second second most fun I've ever seen Anthony Hopkins have on screen. Mm. <laughs> Because Anthony Hopkins was just having a was just chewing the scenery up in that film. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing. That's what I keep hearing. All right, so Transformer Transformer diehard fans uh, will be waiting a little bit longer, more like two months, to check out Paramount's 2024 animated feature based on the uh, durable franchise that has endured since the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the film Transformers. Transformers One has been pushed back to from its release date, uh, uh, which will go. It's it went from July eighteenth, two thousand twenty four, to September thirteenth of two thousand twenty four. So yeah, if, if you're if you're looking for your Transformers fix with the new animated film coming out, you have to wait another month or so. So roll out. Okay, that's all I've got. Well, I kind of already spent, said the other thing that yes, was news this week. So yes, we did. That's very fair. Yeah. Fair so, for, un- unless anybody else has anything else. Not that I know of. Mm. So how about we have a little uh, interrogation? Yes. Interrogation. <laughs> All right, so for our, our our normal listening audience and those who listen or watch our stream or watch on YouTube, whatever, you know, whenever we have a fine guest that joins us, but like we like to interrogate them about their animation history, what they like, what they dislike. So Dallas, uh, how how sure. how long have you done uh, Geek Devotions? Geek Devotions, we're in our seventh year. Right seventh now. year, that is awesome. That is awesome. Congratulations. So uh, I know that you guys do a lot of anime and animated movies and whatever, what have you. So what is your favorite uh, through your ministry, through your podcast, through your uh, the uh, geek devotions world? What is the favorite animated movie or television series you've enjoyed so far, at least have discovered through this? Oh my gosh, dude. Um, that's a hard one. Um, because we've done so much over the last seven years. Mm. Um, I'm trying to cheat and pull up our YouTube channel because <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. We watched so many stuff over the years, I mean, and again, we try to we try very hard to vary what we do because uh, we're trying to hit such a wide span of different geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that game, that's legitimately the, the biggest challenge of Geek Devotions is we're trying to hit different stuff because there's some people that are really into anime and some people that are really into Star Trek and mm-hmm. some people who aren't. And so we're trying to hit various things. Um, I'm, I'm always a fan of when we do Gundam stuff. Always, always a fan when we do Gundam stuff. Um, I wouldn't know a thing about that. No. No, not a f- dadgum thing. No. Uh, yeah, there, big burning Gundam there. back here. There's one in a box over here I need to build. Wait. <laughs> so, um, and then the one in the box is over there. Oh, okay. Iron, Iron, so, Iron Blooded Orphans character. No, it's not. Which one is that? That's from Witch from Mercury. 
Oh, well, and the Red Sound of Well, I feel sheepish. <laughs> I need to finish that series. <laughs> I haven't. Oh, Anyways, continue. Uh, no, Nelson. yeah. Uh, so, but I, I, honestly, if it was for Geek Devotions, I would have sat down and watched the Star Wars Clone Wars and discovered mm. just how good it was. Mm. Oh, okay. I, I sat down and started watching Clone Wars. I think I lost the guys again. I started watching Clone Wars, and... Oh, you're back. We never left. Yeah, we're still here. Oh. Can you see us? Okay, you guys froze on me. Okay. <laughs> the image has been freezing so, up and on the whole time, so... I got you. We started watching Clone Wars, and Celeste and I loved it. Like, we watched the entire series all the way through, uh, mostly on lunch breaks in uh, in our car. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, but like we we had a uh, Francisco from yeah. uh, Retro Rewind. Retro Re- Retro. I almost said it. Retro Rewind podcast. He, he almost fudded there. I almost fudded it. So Roy <laughs> gave gave that shining movie a three point five. Yes, a three point five. And uh, he was like, yes, that was hilarious. So, uh, and he, I think he mentioned something about like putting it on uh, uh, the lower shelf or something. Like that. The bottom shelf. The bottom shelf. He's, the bottom shelf. He's, I think he saw the, it may have been dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. Something like that. <laughs> I say, like, I'm not going to call it dumpster fire because there's only two films we've reviewed on this. Oh my gosh. Dumpster yes, fire. Yes. If that, it was that, on that, show. that was dumpster fire. <laughs> We don't talk about Leo. Leo no. Anyway. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, um, what was your what was your favorite uh, cartoon growing up? Oh man, growing up, it kind of just depends on the era that uh, we're talking about. Been, uh, uh, more when you were somewhere between the ages of four and like eight, nine years old. Probably in that time frame, cartoon-wise, yes. it was probably um, the Ninja Turtles. Oh, of course. Um, Fair. I mean, that's just, they, they were everywhere. They were the big thing. And uh, I saw the, the movie in theater, the live-action movie in theater. Yes. Um, and the cartoon was everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that would probably be my answer between that t- in that time frame. Oh, Okay. I gotcha. I, I was very similar because my brother loved turtles. I was a Thundercats fan through and through. Heck yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, love- now I'll be like, I, what was yours? I can't remember when you, when you were like young. Oh, Darkwing Duck. Probably. Of course. Be animated like, wise. Animation wise. Darkwing Duck. Was yeah. Amazing. Cause I wasn't allowed to watch turtles. <laughs> yeah. Oddly <laughs> enough. I'll be like, I watched turtles. Be like when, uh, Power Rangers came out. Uh, initially, we weren't allowed to watch it. Yeah, we were watching mm-hmm. Turtles and all these violent R films. We couldn't watch Ninja <laughs> Turtle for uh, Power Rangers for some reason. Eventually, my mother relented and we watched it. But um, I, I'm I'm betting it's the same reason I wasn't allowed. Re- the real reason I wasn't allowed to watch tur- uh, Ninja Turtles, and that's because it was stupid. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably <laughs> that's what the parental units believe. The parental <laughs> units. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, what is one of the favorite besides the Clone Wars that you and your lovely bride love to watch together? If that's animation, an animated movie, or a TV series, that's not the Clone Wars. Oh my gosh, what do we like watching? So, um, there's several things we watch, and we kind of get on this on this habit where we binge stuff. For a long while, we were trying to f- watch the entirety of Bleach, mm. which is a, that's a, t- that's uh, a long a watch. Movie. 
It's a long watch. It's a great anime series. I, I love it. I gave um, up going into season four. <laughs> you got pushed through, man. Because you understand why season coming. four broke me. <laughs> well, you got pushed through, man. Yeah. But the new stuff that they have coming out, we, we really made a big push to try to finish it before the new stuff started coming out. Okay. Where they were actually wrapping up the show or the, the stories. And it's so good. And um, so we watched that all the way through. Um, we're right now we're trying to watch a couple of new anime series right now. Um, one is called uh, oh, is it Mush, Mushi or something like that. It's about this. Basically it's about this kid who is uh, it's in the world where everyone has magical powers, mm. kind of Harry Potter like, Oh, and I know this what kid is the, about. Yeah. Uh... And this kid is the only one who doesn't have magic. Oh. And in this world, you're not allowed to not have magic. You oh, get eliminated. He, he's alone. And so, yeah. So basically what happened was this old man raised him and to shield him off in the woods and had him training, like, like lifting weights and exercising. And so he's like super, super strong. And so, but to protect his family, he has to enter into the school of magic and pretend to know magic like everyone else. And he has to get some sort of, of blessing at the end of the, of the, of the program. So he's pretending to have magic by just using sheer force and uh, <laughs> he gets into this fight with this red wizard, and he's like, he's like, tricep magic. <laughs> he's like, tricep magic, and he just punches the guy in the face. <laughs> At one point, they're playing the, whatever that game is they have in Harry Potter, where they're flying around trying to catch a ball. Quidditch. On a, yeah. yeah, and so he he's like, he's got to win. So he just jumps in the air, and he kicks his legs so fast, he just floats. <laughs> You just throw the ball back and forth. <laughs> Oddly enough, Mashal. That's it. Mashal. That's the name of it. Mashal. Okay. It's a combination of the words magic and muscle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's hysterical. What? What? That rem- kind of reminds me of uh, My Hero Academia in some capacity. That's another one we're trying to watch yeah. all the way through. <laughs> I haven't watched past yeah. season three of that one either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude! The most the last se- we finished up the last season of My Hero Academia. We've just gotten busy since we did uh, reviewed that movie with um, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you this: the the you know, there's that meme of the the comedian go emotional damage. That is the the ending of that of this last season. Wow. Just emotional mm-hmm. damage. Wow. Yeah, the last episode of My Hero I've watched was one of the ones where they were at the summer camp. And I, I, for whatever reason, just have not got back to it yet. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the last like five episodes of this last season, like I, I teared up in every single mm-hmm. episode. Oh, wow. So it was so good. So interesting question. Uh, so if you were to happen per chance, uh, recommend our beloved sweet Captain Roy, a, a Disney film, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And he had Dis- to watch it. <laughs> a Disney movie. Remember, you can't use for. Moana because he has seen that and actually likes that film. That is true. Right. Man, that's a great question because I I'm not a huge Disney person. Hmm. I'm oh gosh. I'm looking at the list of, of Disney movies that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um honestly, I'm not sure what f- it would be because so many of them do kind of hit his negative points. Yeah. They all hit all of his negative points. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I can't. I, 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 that's think. the thing. As much as we mess with him for being a Disney hater, I can't really. I, I, knowing how his taste in films, I understand why he doesn't like those films. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like one of my favorite ones is the Aristocats because I love the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one good song. Anyway. Cat. The the Lady in the Trap because I like dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact: When I was a kid. I uh, I had several several surgeries. I had like ten surgeries by the time I was three years old wow. on my feet, and so I was always in pain. I had a cast on. The only thing that would shut me up and kind of block things out was watching Lady and the Tramp. Wow. So my mom had that VHS on repeat constantly. That's wow. fair. I had that, that's that's, that's one of the uh, bootlegged VHSs I wore out. Hmm. Yeah. So so one of those two, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, if you had a recommendation, someone get I like ask you a recommendation for a very obscure animated movie. What would you uh, recommend? Very obscure animated movie. Um, man, anime or western? Anime or western? Mm-hmm. Um, man, that is so hard uh, because there's so many great things that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe. All right, there's a weird one. This is really, really weird. And there's some stuff that it's probably not appropriate for a lot of folks. Uh, but it was a movie called Wizards. Heard that one, it came out. That, that one's come up recently mm-hmm. that we need to watch that one. Yeah. 1977. Uh I pulled up the the, the description yeah, of it real Bachi. quick. And, mm, it's a batchy film. Yeah. The art's interesting. It has an interesting uh message behind it. Is one of those ones that I watched probably shouldn't have as a child mm. and probably should have watched it as many times as I did. Yeah. But it's one of those ones that's just always been in the back of my head uh, because I've watched it so much as a kid. And there are certain things that, that come out of it that I, I repeat. So, yeah, I say wizards. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, what was the first, like, the obviously, like, you guys watch anime a lot and you have reviews like that and uh, you do devotions over anime. <laughs> And uh, what was the first anime you watched? If it's a movie or a series, what was the first one? Oh, the first one I ever watched yeah. uh, was uh, Voltron. Voltron. I mean, Fair. it was. That was as a child. That was the first anime I ever watched. I would say that most kids from the eighties. That was the first one they watched. Um, years later, I went back and watched the original, uh, unchopped up, unamericanized version called uh, Go Lion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So much deeper, yeah. so much more. Right. Woo, that's a wild story. But Voltron was probably my very first anime I ever watched. Okay. I remember mine. Um, I, I, I might have watched something when I was younger, but I remember being at my grandparents' place in Louisiana. I think they were mm-hmm. outside of Logan Sport. And yeah. uh, I remember like one Saturday we were over there and just like we're sitting in the uh, – the, the entertainment room and turn cartoon going on and this weird anime comes on. I can't believe you watched this uh, one first. Kira. <laughs> yes. I'm like, what? how old were you? Uh, I I was probably like seven years old. I want to know. What, probably is, I want to know why this movie was on primetime Cartoon Network. I have no Most idea. Your psychological damage was probably caused it, by it, that. Movie, it, was, so. it, it was more from like the artistic standpoint. I was like, what in the oh, world yeah. oh, is yeah. going on? And it inspired me so much. I like Thundercats did or, you know, mm-hmm. He-Man or Transformers or Turtles or whatever. I was like, oh, my gosh, look at all that color. Look at, like, the movement, the animation. It's wow. And uh, we finally be like we reviewed it for our, for our podcast. And there again, if you guys have with, with Francisco and Paul. 
Yeah. They guessed yeah. it on that episode. That's right. They did. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting one because I remember the very distinctly. And then it's just more like you get into this, you get into this, you get into this. And it, because it's more like the animation style, what what they do with the animation, how they mm-hmm. use it, and that's what, I, bro. That's I, a hard introduction. I yeah, well, it was it was it was a very <laughs> shocking. I was like, I, I think I remember it's like the uh, one of the the blue kids. He's on screen. He's like, what the world's going on? And it, like towards the end, it'd be like uh, Akira. Is it Akira the the main char- the main character? No, Akira is the is uh, the. The one that's uh, that's causing all the issues. He's he's not actually a, he's a character in the movie, but he's yeah. always in the background. Yeah, you're right. looking at Tetsuo and Kaneda. Yeah, Tetsuo or whatever. They like he's he's or as I still pronounce it every time I see it, Canada. Canada. Could <laughs> be like he he's morphing into that enormous blob. Yeah, that was Canada. Yeah, Canada. And uh, I always forget names. I'm terrible with names. I apologize. But Canada is like, morphing good. into like, that big enormous blob, and it's mm-hmm. absorbing everything. I'm like, holy dear lord what is this <laughs> that was like my my little brother was like this is stupid i'm like this is fascinating fascinating is a word for yeah, it for very sure. fascinating i have a really mean question to ask okay was the brother that said this is stupid jim <laughs> i think it was i think daniel was like okay, okay. this is interesting fair i think it was jim who thought it was stupid i could see I this think, i i could be wrong i could be wrong i could probably like years and, and, later, and like, i'm sure years later his opinion could actually be different now yeah you never know but <laughs> anyway but uh see, the the, first, it's just the first one that's going to state his opinion <laughs> that's true it's jim of course uh but uh yeah that was that was the first one i got introduced to and I, i've loved anime since then now granted mm-hmm. i i'm not the um, i'm the otaku who has to watch everything i just be like oh this <laughs> sounds like fun oh this is fun i, I don't like the animation style i don't think any of the three of us are the otaku who has to watch everything that is true that is true <laughs> yeah uh, I, I think i like to describe myself as a healthy otaku yeah. i i love anime i'll watch a lot of mm-hmm. it but I have a lot of other interests that are around. Mm, yeah. Again, some of it's because of what we do here at Geek Devotions. Right. Um, but there's so much. Do you know who's becoming a huge weeb right now? Uh, John Hardy. Man, John has gone headfirst into the world. Um, and I, I'm not sure if he likes loves me for it or if he hates me for it, but he is he's in it. He's got interesting tastes, though. I'll give him that. Mm. <laughs> Which one? The ones he's talked about, and I'm going. These are not the ones I would watch. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Except yeah. for Witch from Mercury, I think we both agreed that was a good anime. <laughs> but that's what I love about anime is there's so many different genres and so many different things that can capture mm-hmm. so many different people's mindsets and, and styles. That it's just it's a great medium. Yeah, agreed. And uh, like definitely for artistically, like me inspired me. Yeah. Like I, I was a huge, I was huge influenced by uh, the comic artist Joe Matarera. Like he did the Marvel mm-hmm. X, uh, Uncanny X Men back in the nineties, and uh, his own yeah. stuff with Battle Chasers, which is they're coming up with the tenth one finally. Thank you. Um, so that was a huge inspiration for me, especially watching anime growing up with Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing, uh, like other ones, uh, Sailor Moon to an extent. Um, just go ahead and announce all three of the ones that would have been on my list as the first because I'm not sure the actual order Tsunami was releasing them in at the time. Neon Genesis Evangelion. I know that one. <laughs> I was I was getting at was the fact that I don't know actually which was my first because I was only saw Tsunami the one time at the time. Ah, and I have no yeah. idea the order of the actual anime came out, so I don't know which one I technically watched. Ah. First. But it was either Sailor Moon 
Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. or Gundam Wing. Wing. Yeah, exactly. And that's the only Sorry. episode of Gundam Wing I actually saw. Right. <laughs> and I'm assuming it was Wing because it was the only Gundam thing. I, it was the first Gundam thing I think was released over here, wasn't it? It uh, it was the first mass-produced one. Yeah, yeah. it was. So I, I'm sure it was showing on there, and that's and that's and that's just the one I happened to catch. I remember it certainly wasn't Doozy Bots. Yeah, thankfully it was not Doozy Bots. <laughs> Good night. Which I just heard the, the from the how that happened. How Doozy Bots even happened? Like Sorry. it was it was a it was pitched out, and then there's uh they sent out the VHSs to people, and um nobody wanted it, and there was a con. Of course, nobody uh, wanted it. That thing looked like garbage. <laughs> I know, but there was like one single con that was out there, and a guy was like, oh. Well, this is stupid. So he took the VHS with them to show his friends, and they made copies of copies of copies, and that's how we have it today. Like it was the only reason we have that thing. It wasn't supposed to be released to the public at all. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I know your one of your first ones was Evangelion, which yeah, that's going to be a trip later this year. Oh my gosh, yes. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on. Your first animes were Evangelion and Akira. Yeah, close. How many hours of counseling have you been through? In your life? Are you okay? Do you need a hug? I mean, hey, sometimes yes. Stitch is there for you, buddy. I mean, he's there to love on you. Good God, man, I'm sorry. Well, well, it was me. Like Evangelion was there, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is like as a kid, be just like, oh my gosh, what in the world's going you on? You were watching it for the giant robots as a kid. I would be willing. No, to I wasn't. You couldn't have been for the psychological torment that Anna was putting them kids through. I don't. I don't know why I, I was drawn to it. I, like there was a part of me that said like, "Ooh, this," and there's a part of me that's like, "Oh my gosh, this is a really good story." To me, I it's a train wreck, huh? It's a train wreck. You can't help but exactly. Just watch you cannot it. help but watch this. So you, You're like, you oh, stay in the presence of the guy who's tried to start it four times. It has not. It's like has only gotten halfway through it, and the only way I'm now going to watch it is because this man is going to force me to watch it after we yes. finish X Men. Yes, that's fair. So that's at least there is still a debate on scheduling when we're actually doing Pride of the X Men. So, oh wow, because we need to we need to throw that in there yes. somewhere near the end of of X Men. So. Yes, agreed. So to wrap up this interrogation, uh. Oh my gosh. The the island scenario. If you if you were stuck in an island and you only had like one series to watch animation wise, what would you watch? One mo- series to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh probably uh one piece because there's so much <laughs> I won't get bored. Yeah, you'll you never have to worry about it finishing because it's never finishing. Yeah. The thing has been going on for 20 years nonstop. That is insane. I- I'm only like in season two. I'm like, I don't know how they're still going, but okay. I don't know either, but they are. And they're just now saying, oh yeah, we're finally finishing the story. It's like, if this ends up being a long, super, super long joke that the one piece of treasure they're looking the guy for is, the manga gift, is like, I give up. Suit. <laughs> <laughs> what? A one piece woman's bathing suit. Okay. If fair. This fair. is the kind of jokes that I expect out of this. Cause okay. It's, Cause it's like what a Kira Toriyama would have done. <laughs> And that's true. True. I don't know. I don't care about One Piece because I tried to watch it. I could not get into it. What you didn't get into the uh, the the oh, the what the G the G Kids version? You mean the Four Kids version? Four Kids version. Rap? Yes. Oh my no, gosh. I I was smart about this. I waited till Funimation had put out the uncut version of it, even though there was still some weird animation 
glitches from four kids run in the in the funimation one hmm. but anyway. oh, four kids ruining childhood yeah. one anime at a time <laughs> the, the the one that i that i've seen and drew watched and it's like oh my gosh we gotta use this for the intro for evangelion oh it's the one that someone created the, for the, the joke four kids rap the four for evangelion i have found like three or four different versions of the opening and i'm just like you know i'm just going to edit these together where you can't tell where one starts oh, and the no. other ends that's fair it's fair yeah so yeah i think that's the end interrogation thank you dallas all right now it's time for us to jump into our topic on X-Men, the animated series. Previously on X-Men. Meet a sulky, over-funky, kind of hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically erotic, what? aquatic superhero. Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Realize the lyric she died sang last time last week. Yeah, it's completely wrong. <laughs> Not that that was the theme song to the first episode we're watching tonight. Right. <laughs> Or we watched for this episode review. Right. First episode that we are talking about is. No Mutant is an Island, which first aired on September 21st, 1996. Yes. Which, if you've been keeping up with the dates, you'll notice two years after where the last episode And you aired. can tell the animation dropped. Because, well, but we'll, I'll get to that in a second. It was directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller and written by Dean Steffen. In this episode, a disillusioned Cyclops leaves the X-Men and returns to the orphanage where he grew up, only to find it under the control of a mind-controlling mutant. Yeah, I have questions about that later. Mm -hmm. uh, Cedric Smith, who also voices Xavier, was also the voicing Purple Man, a.k.a. Zebediah Kilgrave. Mm -hmm. Tara Strong voiced Skids and Sally Blevins. Really? Yeah. Must have been one of her earlier roles. Must have. And Rusty, Taka, and Boom Boom were played by unknown actors. Oh. We have no idea who they are. Huh. <laughs> Unsung heroes. Uh, trivia for this. Originally, this was supposed to air during... This originally aired during season five, but this episode actually occurs right after the Phoenix Saga adaptation during season three. Makes sense. This service held for Gene at the beginning places it right after... Uh, Phoenix Saga Part 5 Child of Light in 1994, when Phoenix Jean Grey hides the McCran crystal in the sun. Cerebro, detecting Jean Grey toward, uh, toward the end, places it before 
X-Men, the animated series, Savage Land, Strange Heart. Yeah. Uh, 1984, when Wolverine Logan indicates Gene being examined by on Muir Island. X-Men, the animated series, Longshot 96. X-Men, the animated series, Obsession 94. And X-Men, the animated series, Cold Comfort 95, also take place during the same time period. Due to the absence of Cyclops in Longshot, that episode may take place concurrently with the events of this one. Hmm. Disney Plus listed this episode as season three, episode eight, which is why we're reviewing it now. This is the first appearance of uh, Zebediah Kilgrave. While not referred to as such in dialogue, Kilgrave is known in the comics as the Purple Man. This is also the first and only appearances of Rusty Collins, Firefist, Sally Blevins, Skids, Tabitha Smith, Boom Boom, and Taki Matsuya, WizKid. I didn't even know those characters had names outside of what we heard in the comics. They were all members of X factor trainee team, the exterminators mm. along with Julio Richter leech and Artie Maddox. And that's mm. all the trivia I got for this. So uh, Dallas, what's your thoughts on this? Cause I'm actually curious from when we were talking before the show. <laughs> yeah. So, um, why, why why was the animation so bad? That's because it's season um, five. <laughs> in in one in literally literally one scene, every time they cut away from Xavier, and they came back to him, he looked like a different man. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then like people like the proportions on people like at one point, Gene's head is massive, mm-hmm. and then it's not. Like their perspective was just everywhere. Like. Like no, I love X Men. I love the original series, like that we're talking about. Like I have very fond memories. As a as a child, I just don't think I realized how bad this animation was at this point. But oh, goodness gracious! Like the animation just drove me nuts the entire mm-hmm. way. It was choppy. Mm-hmm. It was, and I was trying to I was trying to give grace because again, I'm watching. We're watching what 1997 mm-hmm. animation. Yeah. And we're we're watching it on 2020, 2021 TVs being streamed at a high bit rate on through Disney Plus, or maybe right. you have the DVD. And I will also I'm say ha- this is we're all, we're looking at progressive scan. Or this is an interlace image mm-hmm. on right. a progressive TV. We're lucky it looks as good as it does. True, exactly. I have grace, but good golly, Miss Molly, this was wrong. Oh, and so uh, yes. I'm like, it's like the animators was like, ah, what are we doing again? Oh, oh, okay. And they just they just slapped it together, and it was it was sad. And then there's a reason why the series stopped. And I hope and I pray that the new, the continuation of X Men, they pick up the animation style from the first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe second season. Maybe second season. First you season saw, had some lot a lot to be desired in a mm-hmm. couple shots. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> So yeah, but I mean, at least Professor Xavier didn't look like the freaking Watcher half the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know your pain at all. I was like, I know he has telekinetic powers, but his head doesn't look that way, guys. It's supposed to look more like Picard, not like. <laughs> no, I, I'm not like they put an air pump in his ear when here we go, Professor. <laughs> Oh my god, Jiminy! Yeah, 
Oh my gosh, the like, I, like just going on what you said, Dallas. The the animation is horrendous because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm watching this. You go from the end of the Phoenix Saga. Oh my gosh, amazing animation yeah. to this. Like, what right. in the world is going on? Because I'm thinking, like, okay, like did they just? Because at first thought, I was like, because you hear the new theme, and I was like, oh, okay, it's like that's a weird rendition of this theme. Yeah, exactly. Why would we do this? And why do and I, and I actually thought maybe they switched it here and I forgot that yeah. they did. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this episode because I'm thinking I, I didn't realize when I plugged the episode in this afternoon that this was actually a season five episode because I hadn't done the yeah. research yet. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, kind of makes sense. Phoenix Saga's just finished. Jean Grey is out. It would make sense at this point in time that maybe Sabam went in and redid the uh, the opening since Maybe he felt like he had to take Gene out. Uh, but I'm still watching it going, no, there's a lot wrong with this because there's a lot of, I, <laughs> for one thing, I think there's a lot of shots in this new opening that have not occurred yet <laughs> in the actual show. Fair. So uh, and I, it took, I was, I was about three quarters of the way through the episode. Like, I, when A, after I realized, oh, that's Purple Man. Mm-hmm. I did. I thought. I just remember thinking halfway through this episode, it's like, gee, I wonder if Kilgrave, with a name like that, is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta love this era of comics where they have the yeah, they have the uh, the audacity to go, yeah, this guy's name is Kilgrave. We're gonna pretend he's not a bad guy. It's, it's almost as bad as Obadiah Stane. Yeah, <laughs> in terms he's, of name, he's, he's not a bad guy. He's just a he's a Miss under uh, he's a under, he's a he's he's a bald man with feelings. <laughs> he's a he's Thanos's rejected brother, is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, I was watching this. And granted, the only other version of Kilgrave I've ever seen is in Jessica Jones. So it's David well, Tennant. It, yeah, I I've never out, read the comics with this character. I didn't realize I'd seen Kilgrave before until. I was watching the sale, like, oh yeah, I remember this character. I didn't realize he was a big deal. And well, so I, I I didn't recognize the name for whatever reason, which is just weird mm-hmm. considering Kilgrave and Jessica Jones. Mm. But I'm watching this going, and it's and his face so he's doing the mind control thing down there in the basement of the place, going, Of course he's doing it. He's the bad guy, obviously, mm-hmm. with a yeah. name with a name like Kilgrave. And all right. and I see the uh the the color his, his skin changing color go. Geez, the animation really is bad in this episode. <laughs> That's They're not even thinking. keeping the color consistent. And a couple of minutes later, he's like, oh, he's the purple man. He's turning purple. I get it now. So speaking of color, so speaking of color in this entire episode, because me like you watch Beast throughout the entire episode, his color tone shifts every oh, other Lord. scene. I'm like, he like he's a dark purple, he's a light purple purple. Thanks. Blue. <laughs> he was blue. He's a dark blue. Then he's a lighter blue. Then he goes back to a darker blue. I think at one point he's actually purple. Or I mean, his surprise the, the the dark line work is way like really 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 thick. I'm like mm-hmm. he I mean like he's fur people. He's not muscular. Like yeah, he's a muscular furry <laughs> guy. He's not all muscle. <laughs> He's fur. <laughs> I need to look into the actual production of the series because I am curious if the first four seasons they uh, they edited this on film like with actual cell animation mm-hmm. and then this fifth season when they ha- went cheaper if they went to like some early early paint box 
digital. If I, I think it was actually. And they, if I remember correctly, they the part of the problem with these latter seasons was, um, and I I just saw a video about this a few months ago, so my memory is kind of fuzzy. But they were they were running out of they were trying to pump stuff out as quickly as possible, yeah. mm-hmm. and they end up going with two different production houses. And so one production house wasn't talking to the other one, which is why episodes were out of order, mm-hmm. but also why the art was so drastically mm-hmm. different. And they're just pumping it out because again, Saban, that cat, he's just trying to make money. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's like, hey, what's Japan have? Let's make it happen. You know, that's yeah. why we have Beetleborgs and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, from what I, from the other part that I do understand about the production of this is that this episode was originally scheduled to come out in the middle of season three, mm-hmm. and it was written during that time period. But due to some animation issues, I'm guessing with whatever effect they were using for the Purple Man mm-hmm. to show mm-hmm. show the uh, the mind control, they just couldn't get it out in time, and it got and that script kept getting pushed to the side because sure. crazy. Uh, later on uh, from my understanding when gene is shown alive that's actually ends up being a plot hole if you're watching this in, in the release order because you have no way of knowing why gene's alive and i'm still looking at going yeah but you really only barely explained it here <laughs> that's true so <laughs> it's so vague weird is so stinking weird yeah, cause I'll be like, I, I go back to the beginning of season three mm-hmm. where they're putting episodes from season five in the front. And well, you think those aren't from season five. I double checked that. Really? Those first two episodes, they did come out at this time. That's why that second one that's like right before the Phoenix saga starts, mm-hmm. they put the ad as like coming soon this season, the Phoenix yeah, saga. Agreed, agreed. And then put the stupidest, ugliest fire graphic at the bottom oh, good, of the screen. Nice. So bad. It's like, oh my word, this is horrible. Yeah, this, just, this, oh this is worse than the just married flag at, at the back of uh Serpentera and start in a oh god two of Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the story itself was okay. It was it was Scott, he was upset, obviously, because he lost the love of his life. Right, it makes sense. It makes sense that he runs off and he goes back to his orphanage, which was like he had a bad experience of the orphanage until so he get. decided he yeah. wanted to go back and try to help people, which is understandable. Well, he went to the only home he knew. Yeah, exactly. That's right. But um, it's like, yeah, understand. But like, you know, Purple Man comes in and be like, oh, I'm going to use these these kids powers to rule the world <laughs> or, or, or take over yeah. our state. What? Now, I've, I've got a really dumb question. I hope somebody here actually knows the answer. 42. No. I don't think Kilgrave in the comics and in any other continuity is a mutant. Am I right about that? Because I tried to do some research on this. I don't, because otherwise, from a rights point of view, they could not have made, uh, use the Purple Man and Jessica Jones at the time, because that would have been still owned, if it was a mutant, that would still be under the Fox brand. He was My a... understanding. Because all everything connected with the mutants was was moved over there. That's why they had to do that special deal to get Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the MCU early on. He was exposed to this is according to uh, Marvel fandom. Uh-huh. Uh, he was exposed to various unnamed chemicals changing his skin into a purple hue. He was altered by an accident, ended up giving him the new ability to control people's minds. So that's he's not, not a mutant. mutant. <laughs> uh, yeah, by, so he's not by Marvel definition. Mutant. Yeah. That that that's like how Spider Man got his powers in a similar the method. So hmm. yeah, more like Flash. But I was thinking Marvel. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, like made made him a mutant here, which is just weird. 
At, at this point, I feel like some of the writers, they weren't necessarily familiar with the material. They're just doing stuff. And um, and just because it worked for their, yeah. their purposes. Yeah. They needed a character who could make, who could control minds to push the narrative. Yeah. And so they chose him. And, it's, and what, you know, this is, well, this is the first one chronologically to be a major character that wasn't X Men related. We mm-hmm. at least have had cameos mm-hmm. yeah. from other yeah. superheroes. I did like that uh, in, in, the, in that one scene where he is coming in and answering the phone, you can see mm-hmm. on the dartboard on the back wall the yellow and red Daredevil. Yeah, that was, that was like, cool. That's a nice little callback. That was. That was. There are a lot of things in this episode that like didn't make sense though. Mm-hmm. Like, like at why is at what point did Scott Summers' laser beams become fire extinguishers? Like, I'm curious yeah. about that too. <laughs> he walked in and like again, this are laser beams that melt stuff and blow stuff up. He's like, let me put out this fire <laughs> with his laser beams. Plot convenience. <laughs> I mean, basically. I, I yeah. mean, it's like I know you can fight fire with fire, but that's generally to put a fire break in. You yeah, burn stuff ahead of the fire so the fire can get past it. <laughs> yeah. In the last year, I've just discovered what Scott's actual mutant power is. Right. And this would have been before they announced that in the comics. Yeah. But basically, his eyes are little mini portals to a dimension full of energy. Yeah. Hmm. And his brother has the same thing, but on his hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Havoc. And they can't they can't hurt each other, as far as I understand. I guess. Yeah. All I know is I kept thinking when they were showing the other kid at the orphanage with the fire hands, I thought, mm-hmm. is, are they introducing Havoc here? <laughs> no, not yet. It's like, nope, that's not, I don't think they actually introduce Havoc in this, in this series. I think they have, if they, they do, it's much later in yeah. chronologically. <laughs> or the, the, I don't think I, I found out about Havoc until, uh, uh, X-Men evolution. Hmm. The, the the one that got me throughout the entire Phoenix saga, you have uh, Corsair who's bemoaning his wife and the yes. loss of his children. It's like, will you just talk to your son? <laughs> <laughs> or the, the one where it's like Scott and uh, Corsair are walking through. It's just like, it's like, yeah, you remind me of his son. Be like, he had these color eyes. I'm like, I'm, I'm, why don't you two talk to each other? <laughs> I'm, I know I've said this the last two weeks. I'm going to say it again. Should have been voiced by Jonathan Frakes. Of course, there should have been voiced by Jonathan Frakes. I swear, because he reminds me of Riker. And let's face it, we all know Riker can voice act. Right. Right. He, have he, you did, seen play, he did play a villain in Gargoyles, and he's like having the most fun out of all the uh-huh. everyone in that show. So I have a, I have a question. Why is it that um, they make the fire characters angry Irish-looking people? Because like, fire is red, so the fiery characters need to be redheads. It's like, why, why, why are they doing this with the gingers? I mean, Jean Grey, redhead, she's on fire. <laughs> you have that one random Irish dude from uh, that runs around with the guy that looks like Rhino. Hey, uh, and he's all about fire. Yeah, Pyro, Pyro, yeah. yeah. And then this kid. It's like, what are you guys trying to say about, about gingers? Blame the artist who drew the character <laughs> that they base this on. <laughs> Like what? He couldn't be a brunette? <laughs> no, he's got to have a red hair. And Irish for some reason. I mean, I have some fiery blonde. Give, give them saying. anime blue hair, and then you could claim their flames are hotter because it's a blue flame. Uh. <laughs> you could do that. I don't know. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm sorry. There's only one other character I know with that's fire related. That's a different color and it's snow flame and he's powered by cocaine. So his <laughs> <laughs> one K he was like showed up in one comic. And I don't even remember if it's DC or Marvel. Yeah, sounds like Marvel. <laughs> sounds like sixties era Marvel, but sounds it's like not. It, it's not. Oh my I only know of it from watching atop the fourth wall. Cause that was oh one of the bad comics he reviewed. Oh my word. Uh, I, I would funny. say just overall, this episode was so funky. It was like, okay, weird episode, but like plot wise, and you can't get past the animation. It's like, what? No, in the world? Really it's can't. like, it's like, huh? It's I, like, can't, can't we wipe this away? You actually get the story? No, it's too ugly. Keep wiping. <laughs> oh, I am not looking forward to when we actually get to season oh. five. <laughs> Thankfully, that's only 10 episodes. Oh, good. Only 10 episodes. Ah, Snowflame is DC. Oh, okay. Just double check that. Ah, okay. <laughs> that checks. That, yeah, that, that actually that does checks. match. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can we get into an episode that's actually better? <laughs> that's debatable. Uh, <laughs> Obsession, which originally aired September 24th, 1994. Once again, if you've been following the original air dates, we have not actually gotten back to where that is because a lot of these episodes at this point were airing out of order apparently also along with the episodes that were supposed to come out being pushed back two years this one was directed by larry houston and written by adam jalad in this episode archangel has become obsessed with destroying apocalypse who he blames for ruining his life i mean can you blame him yeah true uh in this episode we've got john calicos voicing apocalypse and Stephen Wamet voicing Archangel. And about the only trivia I was able to find for this is that it does not feature Magneto. I am Magneto, master of Magnet. <laughs> Fair. I still have to find an excuse to play that clip yes, in every episode yes, now. It's going to get really weird we get to Evangelion and it's like, can I still play Magneto? No. <laughs> is there not a magnet Ava? No, there's not a magnet Ava. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dallas, what's your thoughts on this particular episode? Uh, so my thoughts on this one, uh, it felt very fast paced. Like they yeah. feel like they tried to cram a lot of stuff in, especially with the relationship between Hank and the yeah. ship. Oh, my it word. Just, that was so weird. That was, it was weird bizarre. and it was just so fast paced. I can see that happening between Hank and an AI. Yeah. Uh, over several episodes, mm-hmm. several issues of the comic, but it was such a weirdly paced story. They just, it felt like they just wanted to cram in this whole thing about uh, Warren, mm-hmm. which in of itself, Warren, Archangel is, a, I, I'm conflicted by him because I genuinely like his character in the comics, but it bothers me that this version of X Men as a whole, this was never a Warren who was part of the X Men. Yeah. Um, at all and i'm like there's so much here that they could do with like if if warren had been part of the x-men the cyclops and beast being there would have had so much more gravity Mm -hmm. to it and uh, i feel like that was an opportunity missed by not having a conversation about Mm -hmm. that it's not like they couldn't have retconned it like they did with cable oh my gosh cable because cable shows all the way up through first season and then all of a sudden cables of mercenary from the future it's like what about the cable that we were dealing with all through first season and they mention him by name it's like hey there's cable it's like how do you yep. know 
and I could be wrong because I bear because let's face it, the the apocalypse, the four horsemen of the apocalypse episode in season one was months back at this point for, mm-hmm. as of this recording. So I don't exactly remember what happened in that episode, but I'm still I remember watching this going, do you actually know his name is Warren Worthington the third, or do you only know him as Angel? An mm-hmm. archangel, right? Yeah, because how are you calling him this and acting like? I guess it makes sense that Rogue would know because she did absorb his power, mm-hmm. so she kind of should know. But yeah, right. I would assume that Cerebro like, gave them information. Yeah. I think that's what we're left to. I assume. guess. And then we get to the relationship between Ship and Beast, and the entire time I'm watching this, going, this really sounds like these lines were recorded with a different script mm-hmm. <laughs> and a different things going on. <laughs> and then you kind of worked them back in there because beast and hers, just their, their emotions do not match what's right. actually going on on screen. I agree. <laughs> so it's it's like, so weird. Here? There was, this feels like you cut this from another story <laughs> and crammed <laughs> it in here for some unknown reason. It's not matching what's going on. And, I'm supposed to believe this is a believable relationship. I'm just but not following like, it. There was something off about the way beast lines were throughout yeah, the entirety of this, where it felt like he wasn't in the room, not in a, you know, I'm super intelligent. I'm locked into the whole conversation about the computer, but like, like legitimately, it felt like the voice actor for beast was just given the script and not told anybody else's stuff he only had his script like the point where angel's about to attack the uh, machine and basically turn off the thing and free apocalypse beast goes angel no yeah yeah but that was like it was up it was like the most apathetic it's like (laughs) it would have been like no (laughs) like this right roar behind it and i'm saying like no don't do this and the thing is this relationship has to only take place over the course of an hour at most in in universe time and you expect me mm-hmm. to believe he felt so horrible after she got killed because of archangel that he's going wolverine over this <laughs> like as bad as wolverine was acting when gene died mm-hmm. it's like you, you didn't really i can see he's got a computer of a ram chip and <laughs> i can see you being disappointed that this wonder of engineering and this character who were starting to get to get to know i can see you being disappointed that that character is now dead you don't have to go you know wolverine caressing this picture of <laughs> that ship was not believable that relationship no. was not believable it's all I was trying to get at oh okay so the the idea that like they they, they have to tie in the shiar again with this because well, i mean that was, was a cool idea that was a in cool the, idea so was like, oh, we're gonna include this tech in our stuff now, mm-hmm. and now Professor X is gonna voice the computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the the one that got me, like the when we're when the opening of this episode where uh, Warren is just like screaming at people, it's just like it's like we gotta find this we we and this guy walks in, it's like oh I oh, I know no. exactly his his weakness. I'm like <laughs> it's like obviously this is apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, right. The entire time, it's like, let me see. And be like, oh, this thing behind his neck. Be like, that'll destroy him. And it's like, and Warren's like, zoom. It's like, you know, this is apocalypse, guys. Yes. Like you fall, <laughs> you fall there right into my trap, kind of thing. And then of course, Hank figures out, like, oh, we can actually trap this guy. And then of course, Archangel 
is like, no, you have to kill him. It's like, dude, he's trapped. He's not going to escape. This is like the perfect way to do it. Unless I will not be night revenge. <laughs> revenge is a dish best served cold. True. Or in this case, cold hard steel. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, that that was there was a, it was an interesting episode. The the relationships were like, huh? Really? Yeah, this just weird. It is weird. Can't, y'all, I can't wait to get into the Phoenix saga. <laughs> Our dark Phoenix when we get saga. to Dark Phoenix saga and we get past what this weirdness that's in the between, apparently. Mm-hmm. Or actually, uh, strange long shot. No, yeah, long shot. I think's the next one. Yeah, long shot's the next episode. <laughs> but I was, I was trying to say the strange lands uh, two parter that's coming up. That's right. That's is right, like that's right. where we're starting to get back into Dark Phoenix. I yeah. believe. Mm-hmm. So we right. got a couple weird ones in yeah, here. A little that's bit. It's gonna be fun to go through. Very weird ones. So, yeah. Uh, we have anything else on these episodes before we cut out? For this section, hmm. it's, it's episodes like this where I go, I can see why they canceled the series. And yeah, it makes me sad. exactly. Right. Like, like X Men was such a big part of my childhood, mm-hmm. and and for various reasons, and the comics were so so great at time. Like this was this is prime X Men comic book reading time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the stories they pulled from obviously came from the eighties and seventies and stuff like that. And to see what they do with the animation, it's like. This is what happens when people are like, quick, let's just pump stuff out for money. And mm-hmm. then there's no detail that's given. Right. And it's sad. I appreciate what it was, though. I appreciate that it, you know, it got us into X-Men at the time. Mm-hmm. I, let's be real. That's for the majority of us. That's how we got into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. We got into comics and we got into all of this stuff. Yeah. All of this, all, all the television shows, uh, X-Men and DC is what got me into these things in the first place. Mm-hmm. But that you were know coming out this time. Doing the, because I, I, I prepped for the show today, right? For this mm-hmm. this portion of it. Right. You know what this got me doing today? After I was done watching Silver Surfer. <laughs> okay, the cartoon cool. Silver Surfer. Right. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, it's, it's not, so it's not in here. the same Marvel Universe for sure. I, no, it's not. But at the same time, it's like, it's just the, it's that nostalgia feeling to it. There was yeah. something mm-hmm. special in the 90s. With the animation, oh, yeah. with Spider-Man and, yeah. and the, the Daredevil series they tried to do, mm-hmm. and the, the Incredible Man. Hulk series, the Iron Man series, there was yeah. something special in this time frame that was was kind of magical, in my opinion. Which and I is hate that- weird in some ways, because I can't, I can't look at any of the stuff from this era and not think, look how crunchy the storytelling is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like we're just throwing this out there and praying you catch it. Yeah, <laughs> basically. But there was something about it that you know it, it grabbed a generation, and it was yeah. there was some, mm-hmm. the, as terrible as some stuff was. It was something magical about it. Agreed. Yeah, completely agreed. So next week on the t- on uh, animated series, we're going to be looking at the episodes Long Shot, which is another um, episode involving the characters from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mojo World. Mojo World. Mm-hmm. Fun. Lovely. Fun times. And then Cold yeah. Comfort. Mm-hmm. So join us next week for that. Dallas, why don't you tell us where we can find y'all at? Yeah, you can find us at geekdevotions.com where you can find links to all of our social media platforms and the various things we do, like our weekly devotionals we put out on YouTube uh, and our various podcasts, such as the Gundam Watch, We Read Allegedly, Com Talk by Geek Devotions, uh, and The Bottom Shelf. Got to get on some of those episodes eventually. Yeah. 
we're, we're, we're restructuring a few things. So hopefully they have you on guys soon. Have you guys on soon. Nice. And you already know my request for bottom shelf. Uh, remind me one more time. Certain uh, evolution of a dragon ball. Oh yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> that's not on this year's list. We're, we're doing guilty pleasures right now. And Fair so enough. cards on the table, the next film that we're looking at doing is surf ninjas. I fear oh. they must die, but past that, I don't know anything about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, surf ninjas. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, other than that, I think that's probably going to be it for us tonight, guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And this is Dallas. And we'll catch you in the next frame. Every single week. Deal it. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. I try. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. I'll update his that one day. His page at G. George 759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. It's a lot of custard. <laughs> you don't know why that's funny. Oh my gosh. It's, it's madness. Be- I tell you, madness. Madness. Completely. No, 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 no. You're not doing it. Madness. This is Sparta. No, wait, wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs>